This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. It's Thursday. Just went Oprah voice on you. Top of the morning to you. Hope you're having a great day. You know what? And if you're not, change, change it, fix it. You got the rest of the day to figure it out. No need to hate it. Hey, uh, by the way, today, December 1st, you're in December now. Eat a red apple day. You okay? How's your apple? We're a little late this morning. (laughs) An apple a day, they say, keeps the... uh, Oh, you okay? Yeah. It's a really loud apple. It must be Red Delicious from Washington State. One of the biggest producers of apples. Hmm. Is this going to go on all day? (laughs) Today's the day we celebrate apples. And not just any... Not just any apple. Choose your next words carefully. Who wants an orange? Hmm. Yep. Ha ha! Tricked you. Today's Red Apple Day. We are celebrating all things. See, there you were just waiting for it. I know. I was like trying to see if you were still going to be like my little brother that I never had. But you were. Fun day today, too. Um, Boy, uh, they, uh, you know what? 49 days until the Trump presidency takes over. Uh, the continuation of the draining of the swamp. We'll be talking about that this morning. Also coming up, you may have heard about the Oregon standoff. Do you remember the Oregon standoff um, at uh, Malheur, Malheur, Malheur National Refuge? I just call it the Oregon Wildlife Refuge because nobody yeah. knows what that word means. That's easier. Yeah. Six men. Remember, I don't know if you remember this. It was, it was uh, how many days was it? It ended up being months, right? Uh, that they took over a, this refuge, basically had to run out the federal employees that were running it. And, uh, you know, with guns and backhoes, they took over the place and started digging latrine trenches. Well, the six people that were involved in that were all acquitted by a jury. And now many believe that that has just set a precedence where – all of a sudden, we're going to have more and more of these types of standoffs. Well, they just showed it's okay. You can do it, and you're not going to be charged, so go ahead. Yeah. So we will be speaking with a professor who studies this issue and uh, can maybe walk us through why this may be dangerous for federal employees who need to man the man the frontier. Also, I want to get into why this is all happening. Again, we've talked about federal lands – 50-ish percent of the federal lands are held in the West. Um, There's some states in the West where 88 percent of the state are controlled by federal government, and yet the ranchers need access. They need the rights. There's mineral rights. There's water rights. And a lot of people are frustrated by that. So we'll get into that uh, with Char Miller, Dr. Char Miller, in a few moments. We'll be talking um, in depth about that. Plus, we just got so much to cover with, uh, you know, Donald Trump. Dates, Trump dates. It's a new word. All of that ahead. But first, let's get to the national headlines and the local headlines. Sadie Nielsen joins us 
to walk us through what we all need to be paying attention to. Sadie, what's up? Newt Gingrich, continuing his public crusade against Mitt Romney, mocked him for sucking up to President-elect Donald Trump after the two men went to dinner together on Tuesday night. Gingrich said to a conservative radio host, You have never, ever in your career seen a serious adult who's wealthy, independent, has been a presidential nominee, suck up at the rate that Mitt Romney is sucking up. Gingrich continued, He has actively voiced his discontent at the possibility of Romney serving as Secretary of State. Baltimore police responded to an incident on Wednesday night in which six people were reportedly shot by a lone gunman outside a grocery store. Two have died from injuries, one on the scene and another at a nearby hospital. Police spokesman T.J. Smith said they weren't aware of witnesses and don't have a detailed description of the gunman. This is probably an act of retaliatory violence that we, that we often speak about, Smith said. The police officer who fatally shot Keith Lamont Scott, 43, in September will not be criminally charged, his attorney announced on Wednesday. Charlotte Mecklenburg police officer Brentley Vinson was shown on the video shooting Scott, who ordered him to drop his gun. The video's audio then recorded four shots, but they weren't visible to the camera. Four protesters were arrested overnight in demonstrations reacting to the verdict. And finally... Yes... Uh, a California man who invested in both a Google Home and an Amazon Echo showed how smart the speakers can be made by talking to each other. Oh, wow. Uh, Alexa, what's on my calendar tonight, he asked. The Amazon Echo responds, tonight there is one event. At 6 p.m. there's, hey, Google, what's on my calendar tonight? You have a calendar entry at 6 p.m., the Google speaker says. The title is, Alexa, what's on my calendar tonight? <laughs> the speakers then repeat themselves to each other in a loop. Decided wow. to have some fun with my Echo and Google Home. He wrote in the video's description. He just he just got them. It's dueling. It's dueling. What are they called? Dueling home speakers. Dueling speakers. Dueling speakers. They just keep going on just and on and on and on. So really, all those are speakers that then can access your Siri, your your computer, your phone, your whatever. Yep. And it just tells you. Well, no, not your phone. They're separate from your phone. Oh, I thought they accessed anything. Just like Siri, anything on your phone. Oh, well, but it's, just only it's, your it's like Siri, but they don't access your oh. phone. They access your calendar. They access whatever. With mostly, people are using them for timers and to play music. Right. But they cost a lot. Yeah, it's kind of an expensive, and usually people have some sort of phone that does the same thing. And who would buy two of them? Let alone have them start talking each other to death. Crazy person. Crazy. Thanks, Sadie. That's crazy. Uh, there was like a yokel laugh in there. This is, <laughs> this is dueling. Is even was that little, you whistling? Yeah, it was me whistling. Oh, you have a very quiet whistle. It's a quiet whistle. I've been working on it for years. My toes tapping too. Yeehaw! Hey, let's go to Trump news. A Trump date. First off, Kanye West out of the hospital. I'm going to keep this music on. The national nightmare is over. His mental breakdown, as yeah. it's being described. Um, the guy doesn't sleep. Apparently, apparently he's, he's sleep deprivation and dehydration. So Kanye, welcome to my world, Kanye. On the way to recovery from the uh, the uh, situation. I, I think in. is it that or is it just Kardashian overload? Apparently, he was attempting to record music from his hospital bed against the wishes of his wife. Yeah, he's a he's a doer. This and guy's a, a doer. This and every other patient in the hospital. <laughs> like, stop. Would somebody tell that guy to shut up? So he was admitted to the hospital on what they have here is, quote, temporary psychosis due to sleep deprivation Mm. and dehydration. 
Yeah, that's where he, he had. Is a this what implosion. Hillary Clinton went through? Is this yeah, why probably. she collapsed in the park? Sure. Sleep why, deprivation. And now she's wandering apparently in the woods. Uh, Moving on. Uh, McAuliffe, Terry McAuliffe, I guess said that she's done with politics. He's the governor of Virginia, friend of the family. Moving on. Done. Until next time when she feels like she must run again. Right. Until four years from now. Uh, What other news do we have about Trump that we have to be paying attention to? Okay. So we'll start with – he's going to Indiana today, part of his victory tour. Victory tour plus to go probably sign the deal on Carrier. The the Carrier – what are they? Heating and air conditioning company. They were about to take 22-ish hundred jobs to Mexico. They're building a factory near Monterey. Now they're taking uh, not not all the jobs. They're leaving just under 1,000 jobs in Indiana after a deal that President Trump struck. People are looking at this kind of like, okay, you don't just get a company because the company is going to lose $65 million on this deal. Yeah, well. So why would a company take a $65 million hit? They're not. They're not. Well, the individual unit of this massive company is. Right. <laughs> and so there, there, when you do that, there's some trading going on. Sure. Like we get some benefit. You get some benefit. And so it looks really good for Trump to kick off his victory tour with victory. job saving. And by the way, Mike Pence, let's remember, was the governor of Indiana who probably had this well underway before any of this went down. So it says the agreement reportedly includes 700000 in state tax breaks offered by the Indiana Economic Development Corporation, a quasi-public entity that doesn't require legislative approval. Mm. So they just signed a check and off the money goes. Yeah. Uh, John Muntz, a former Indiana lieutenant governor who sits on the agency's 12-member board, says he thinks the choice is driven by concerns from Carrier's parent company, United Technologies, that it could lose a portion of its roughly $6.7 billion in federal contracts. Okay, see, and by the way, so this is, a, this is a play that has been out there because Carrier, United Technologies subsidiary, makes a lot of money from government jobs, right? Government uh, contracts. Contracts, yeah. And nobody ever played the hand that if you're moving your people out, then the guy, then you lose government contracting. Right. So it seems like a really brilliant play. Economists are pointing out that saving 1,000 positions with state tax credits does nothing to stem the global economic forces that are moving an estimated 300,000 U.S. factory jobs abroad annually. Exactly. Except and if also, there's billions of dollars of other projects done by the government – Maybe some of those, if they're going to lose those, might stay. It's a start. Well, but the reality is you have a global movement going and on. And Indiana lawmakers and union officials are not happy that they were kept in the dark through this whole process. Oh, yeah. See, let's all remember, this was Trump's first. This was actually Mike Pence's first. Right. Mike Pence seems to be running this whole thing. He's taking all the uh, intelligence briefings that Trump is skipping out on. Oh, yeah. That they Trump so camp- boring. The Trump campaign has freely said that he's getting information from other sources. And we found out the other day it's coming from many say the cabinet seems to be more of a reflection of Pence in a way than Trump. Which was kind of the when, when he was uh, named the vice presidential nominee, people were like, OK, he might be the adult yeah. in the room to kind of. How many people said, you know what? After they heard Mike Pence in a debate, they thought. I'll take Mike Pence Why can't as president. he be the guy? Right. Yeah. Well, apparently he is. <laughs> and then uh, uh, General David Petraeus. Uh-huh. He's reportedly one of President Donald Trump's finalists to be Secretary of State. They named a final four yesterday. They're down to the final four. 
I final four. This is the apprentice. Uh, if chosen, he'll have three days to notify his probation officer. <laughs> Petraeus was sentenced to two years probation in 2015 for giving his mistress classified information. Hmm. The defendant shall not leave the Western District of North Carolina without permission of the court or his probation officer. Travel allowed for work as approved by U.S. Probation Office, says a court judgment reported uh, first by USA Today. The defendant shall notify the probation officer within 72 hours of any change of residence or employment. Is he wearing an ankle bracelet? I don't know. In addition to those guidelines, Petraeus could also be subject to warrantless searches if he was appointed to Trump's cabinet. Oh, wow. His probation officer would be able to access or access, reviews, computer, and phone data at any point until the time of the end of his sentence. Now, the, pre- How- the president can do some things to yeah. alleviate his well, sentence, yeah, I guess, but yeah. it's Just, kind of interesting that that guy's up for secretary of state. But again, not really. It's not interesting? Well, the last secretary of state. Yeah. Before Carrie. Yeah. Apparently she... She had some issues. So it's all sixes, what you're saying? It's all no, even? it's just, isn't it weird? But you know why he won't get it? I, Petraeus won't get that job. Right. I'm going to throw down my hat. Okay. Because and, he can't. Uh, he can't. Too many too many generals in the office. So two more things. One, the uh, Small Business Administration. Mm-hmm. The person, have you heard who's up possibly for that job? No. Linda McMahon. No way. Uh, I'll start wrestling. The fame, wife McMahon. of. You're kidding. Hold on. Vince McMahon? Are you serious? Vince McMahon's wife, the guy that runs World Wrestling Entertainment, formerly the World Wrestling Federation. It is a small business organization. His wife could head up the Small Business business Administration (laughs) office. Says who? Let's get ready for Rumble. So she'll take some time off for SummerSlam, maybe an occasional (laughs) Monday Night Raw, but she may be running that department. Are you kidding me? And uh, there's been some concern because Trump is appointing... People with connections to Goldman Sachs. Yes, because that was the that was the that was the big evil mm. that was taking Middle America and robbing them blind. Right, and, right. Uh, Hillary Clinton did all those speeches for them, and she's in cahoots. And Blah. Trump named what Steve uh, Munchen, Munchen, M- M- Mnuchin? Mnuchin. No one can say the guy's name. Yeah, he's uh, the t- the Munchkin is different. Yeah, so he's uh, picked for Treasury. He spent 17 years at Goldman Sachs. Steve Bannon, Trump's top incoming White House advisor, spent his early career. With the powerful firm, Anthony Scaramucci, one of Trump's top transition advisors who also spent his early career with Goldman Sachs. Wilbur Ross Jr. for Commerce Secretary. He's a billionaire investor. Wilbur. And then you have Todd Ricketts, who will be the deputy, possibly the deputy Commerce Secretary. He's part owner of the Cubs, but he's been, you know, yeah, they Wall won, Street they won Securities the and they're, well, yeah, winning baseball. So the question is, is Trump draining the swamp like he said he was going to? Yeah, it seems like he's not. Clip one. Goldman Sachs was cast by your campaign as the bad guy, the people who robbed the middle class. And now you are putting a lot of these same types of people, a former Goldman Sachs executive, uh, a turnaround specialist, an investment banker. You're putting them in charge of the economy. What's your message to a person out there on the street who voted for Mr. Trump thinking, you know, he understands that Goldman Sachs is a bad guy. What's your message to him when they say, hey, what are you doing? You're putting all the same characters. You're putting, you know, it's a whole just you didn't you're not draining the swamp. You're just putting a whole bunch of critters in it. 
Uh, Jake, I couldn't disagree more. What we're going to tell them is the same folks that help craft the president-elect's tax plan uh, have taken that message of economic populism. The same people who helped craft the president-elect's trade plan as far as we start putting together deals to actually help American workers. The exact same people who helped put together these plans for the president-elect are the people that he's now putting in to implement them. And so this is the exact same message that President-elect Trump was ta- uh, talking about on the campaign trail. And now we're actually going to go get it accomplished in Washington. Mm. So what do you think? Was that wrong? Should I not have done that? <laughs> I think um, I, I, here's the deal. I think what we found, and it's now being validated, is the truth nobody knows. So if you keep moving fast enough, no one can catch up with you. So Slide of hand. It's just... Before Donald's even gone in, he saved a thousand jobs in Indiana. Is what everyone's saying, right? right? Now, there's there's details behind it, but every state is offering incentives and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But And anybody, by the way, if in the last eight years, anybody could have pushed back on any of these companies saying, you're not going to get government contracts if you don't keep your people in the country. Right. So it, I think it doesn't matter. And I think whoever has the biggest noisemaker is going to be – Getting the attention. And it seems like Donald's got a big noisemaker. And it also seems like he's going to make a new announce, three new announcements every day for the next four years. You know what I mean? Like he's dragged out just the cabinet process to be such a display that he's got he controls what everyone's talking about at any time. He just keeps putting out new information and you have to try yeah. to keep up. But you see the liberal media, just just the liberal ish known media, everything that's not Fox, Hmm. which is. Well, yeah. You know. Everything else, yeah. But everybody's talking about all these great backstories, but none of the backstories matter because they no. just get kind of pushed out in the wash, and he's on to the next thing. Oh, yeah, we've saved carrier jobs. Wait till you find out how many jobs we'll save next week mm-hmm. when we go to Westinghouse or wherever the next great victory is going to be. I think it's – I honestly don't think middle America cares about this de- the details. Just keep showing us you're doing something. Even if honestly, it doesn't – I Mnuchin made a big announcement too about the fact that it's um, about the, the middle class tax break. Then all the other media people are going to get into every little detail about it and middle America doesn't care. The minutia of Mnuchin. <laughs> the minutia of Mnuchin up next on the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, next we'll be talking about the Oregon standoff. You may have heard all six of the uh, the people that were um, arrested are now acquitted through a jury trial, and it may be setting a very dangerous precedence, which uh, precedent which is going to set up some trouble for future um, workers of the federal government that have to protect these places. Up next, a wonderful guest uh, who's uh, researched it and inside insightful on this subject, and we are going to pick her brain, find out what's really going on there. And how do we create peace there? Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. Welcome back, friends. You know, our national forests and parks, refuges, the people... They're serving our country. They're doing what they can to protect our uh, our land, to protect our our wonderful and incredible national parks. 
But now these people that are there to protect them may be in a vulnerable position because who who's protecting the rangers? Who's protecting those that uh, those federal workers that are working in the public lands? A lot of uh, news came out, if you remember, about the standoff in Oregon. And uh, remember, it was about uh, a, a takeover, really, a hostile takeover um, and a violent uh, takeover of a national refuge up in Oregon. And it's now created potentially even bigger problems down the line. And so we've asked um, Shar Miller to join us. She is the W.M. Keck Professor of Environmental Analysis at Pomona College, as well as a program director for the Environmental Analysis Program. She is uh, also the author of the book America's Great National Forests, Wildernesses, and Grasslands. And she's here to talk about the fact that a, a, a jury verdict and decision that came out uh, basically acquitting six of those uh, people that were involved in that standoff in Oregon has now set up a potential problem for future uh, violence against these people. Shar Miller, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, thank you so much. And let's bend the gender a bit because I'm a male. Oh, you a are a male. That's you know what? And I'm sorry. We no, no, no. That, it's okay. We should have. The producer should have known that. Hey, no. talk to me about this because t- this is um, there is a lot of frustration in the West, and, and sure. we've talked about it on the show sure. before. I love some of the things I've read, and 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 that you're able to teach us about the history of this violence, and you know, property rights are a big deal. But why uh, why do you sense that that the violence is going to get even worse now? Well, that was. A piece I wrote before the election, so we'll see actually what the new administration and its presence in the White House um, helps generate or does not help generate on the public lands across the West. But as of, let's say, November 1, my my worry was that the uh, acquittals in um, – Oregon would have a potentially dramatic impact on those who worked on the ground. And for me, as someone who has worked with Forest Service and Park Service folks for the last 30 years, these are friends. Yeah. Uh, and they're people that I know and have helped train. And, and I was and remain worried about not just the lands themselves and the questions that those lands raise as in southern Utah, all over the place, actually, um, but also about the people. We tend to abstract. Mm the folks who were on the ground, who were doing the management from the political arguments that we have. And I'm trying to insert them back in the story because I think it's important that they be there. Because, I mean, honestly, if you're just a government employee uh, doing your job at uh, at the – how do you pronounce it? Malheur National, yeah. yeah. National Wildlife yeah. Refuge. And then all of a sudden a band of you know rebels comes in and takes over your workplace – that's terrifying, let alone the fact that there's a history of this. Yeah, there is. And, and it's, it's fascinating to me as someone who's um, spent way, probably way too much time thinking about these issues and going back into the past that, you know, beginning in the 1880s, 1890s, when the idea of setting aside landscapes and regulating their use, not preserving them and not having any use, but regulating them, um, the moment that happened, there were early versions mm. of what we are now seeing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people like Gifford Pinchot, who founded the Forest Service, routinely came out to the West every single summer 
um, to talk with people about why they were so upset, um, partly to let people vent. I mean, that's what you do when you're a good leader is you uh, give people the room to say, no, you're wrong, uh, and partly to defend his employees' backs. Um, and so, you know, it's it's this has been this is nothing new uh, in the big scheme. Although I do think what is new is when you show up with revolvers and pistols um, and occupy a space, something that has not happened in the past. Um, you've crossed a line. Oh yeah, and as I mean, they and they what did they? It was a forty-one day standoff, right? Twenty-seven Correct. or so protesters there, but they yeah. also. Uh, there was a shooting that that ended up killing an off. Uh, uh, some marshals ended up killing one of the men. Yeah, I mean it was, and yet all six that were charged uh, yeah. acquitted. Yeah, it tells you how hard it is to get a con- conviction <laughs> in the United States on stuff like this. Yeah, it was a little surprising, um, but you have to you have to recognize a the defense attorney was really good, um, and b the prosecution is trying a very difficult charge, which is conspiracy. And the Bundy family is on trial in February in Nevada mm. for a previous standoff um, in April 2014, um, and the question is whether the defense. And the prosecution learned from what happened in Oregon and whether for the prosecution's sake, for the federal government's sake, um, they're able to conduct a better trial. Is there – maybe tell us the history. Like wh- why did – why because it's in the West. There's a disproportionate yeah. amount of, uh, of you know, land owned yeah. by the federal government in the West. Yeah. And I mean, th- this creates major issues, right, because of grazing. Ranchers need to – take their cattle somewhere to get grass and grazing. There's rights. There's mineral rights, mineral rights. There's water yeah. rights. Yeah. Yeah. So the history of this is, is um, it dates right back to the founding of the nation in which um, as states entered the union, they entered the union based on land that the federal government declared itself to own. Um, the native peoples might not have believed in that, but the right. federal government did. Uh, so the first land theft in that regard has actually um, preceded um, all of this debate was over the native peoples and their their rights, their tribal rights to these these lands. Um, and so part of what the federal government decided back in the 1780s and 1790s was the way you populate these new places is you distribute these public lands. Um, you sell them in time. Sometimes the hands just the lands just slipped away into other people's hands. Um, and so Utah, like many other places, was populated on the basis of these federal grants. But the federal government kept land. Um, it kept every one of the mountains and the hmm. mountain ranges or the vast majority of them. Um, and in part because no one could quite figure out what to do with it. Yeah, what do you do with the mountain? Because, right. Yeah, it's a mountain. What do you do? Um, but the the genius of so being so restrained in that regard was that in the 1890s, when the first legislation to create what we then called forest reserves that we now call national forests was created, um, they looked at those mountains and went, oh, mm. those are watersheds. Yeah. And that means the valleys below can have clean water. If we protect the upland, the, the lowland gets the benefit of it. And so the, in the enabling legislation, it's, it does not talk about timber, the first. The first thing it says is maintaining flows of water. Well, yeah, that's the so West right there. That's I mean, interesting. Salt Lake, Provo, all of those communities up along the Wasatch, where does their water come from? Right. But national forest land. So we ought to be thanking those geniuses in the 1890s uh, for setting aside these lands, because it's true in Los Angeles. I live in a town right underneath the San Gabriel Mountains. Mm. Upwards of 75% of our water is groundwater. 
No one thinks about that. Right. But that groundwater came from the mountains. The mountains. So, you know, they really had it zeroed in at that time. And I'm, you know, I'm quite impressed with them, obviously. Yeah. So the fight over that has been, wait a second, if the federal government controls it, it was always federal land for the record. Um, then how am I going to graze? How am I going to mine? And so, you know, if you look at the legislation, they've always been able to graze. They've always been able to mine. They just had to do it under regulatory conditions, uh, which makes sure that we don't overgraze and don't overmine and don't overlog. Um, and to my mind, that's a real compromise and a real balance. Well, you bring up an interesting point in your article about – as far as a landowner goes, the federal government uh, might be, you know, a, a nicer, you know, lower priced person oh, to God, work yeah. entity to work with than a corporation that might own the property. Oh, yeah. No. And I think that's part of the dilemma for um, the so-called sagebrush rebellion. Those who've been pushing back since the 1890s against this process. If, in fact, corporations had come in and taken over the lands, which, as the railroad companies demonstrated, they were quite happy to do then under what conditions would you actually get to work? Mm. And how would that play out? And would the homeowner and the homesteader um, actually have access to the best lands? Um, my bet is no. Um, the other piece, and it's an important one, I think, is that, that all of these lands are owned by all of us. Mm -hmm. And so if the aspiration in Utah, as Representative Rob Bishop has framed it, is to get these federal lands into state hands, that means the state of Utah alone is going to underwrite the budgets for all of the millions of acres of federal land that lie in Utah. It's going to destroy the state's budget, and mm. it's going to raise taxes. Exactly the things that Republicans argue they don't want. Right. Because you, you're going to have to pay you know, park employees. You're going to have yeah. to pay uh, taxes, I'm assuming, and yeah. other things. So, I Absolutely. mean, in management just of leases and... Yeah, access and permits. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, so if you think about it, somebody in Maine helps to support Utah. Right. Somebody in Florida helps to support Utah. Take them out of the equation, and then it's on Utah itself or Nevada or wherever um, this might unfold. So, you know, I would like people to think about their self-interests and recognize that the collection of us, that is the public who supports these things, really, right. really is making it possible for us to have these things. Do you do you sense, because I guess, Char, one of the issues I see is um, th that a, a rancher in the West, let's say in Nevada that has, you know, 88, whatever the percentage is of federal land in Nevada, he doesn't sense that somebody in Washington, D.C. understands what it's like to ranch. Yes. And and so it's it's almost like you're being regulated by D.C. bureaucrats who don't who haven't who who have more control over their properties than those in the West. Yeah, and it's a, that's a really interesting, and again, boy, is that a long-standing argument. Yeah. You, you know, what you just said, you could go back into newspapers in Utah, Nevada, and elsewhere in the 1890s, and you go, oh, my God, <laughs> the language has not changed at all. Yeah. Um, the difference is, and I guess I, that would be my response, is the folks who are actually managing those lands are living next to those lands. They are part of those communities. They're in that town. They're in that town, which is why I'm worried about them. Um, but, but the other thing is, and, and this is what um, I've done in the book America's for Great, Great National Forest Grasslands and Wildernesses, um, is to look at the stories of collaboration 
And the fascinating thing to me about Malheur, and it's not in the book, but um, it is like work that's been done in southern Utah, that's work that's been done in California, Montana, and Wyoming, is they are not simply managed from Washington. It turns out the best of these lands are best managed when you do it in collaboration with local organizations, national organizations to be sure. All sorts of people are now becoming stakeholders in their management. And partly this is because the federal government doesn't have all the money it once had. Mm. Um, And so you need resources from other people. And right. if you need resources, you've got to go ask them. And if you go ask them, they need to be at the table when management decisions are made. And that's as true of tribes as it is for local communities, as it is for national organizations that have a play here. So one of the things that – and I didn't think about this when I was writing the book. And then when I finished, I went, oh, look what you've done. Uh, the book looks at 30 case studies of uh, 30 different forests around the United States, most of them in the, in the West. Mm. In part because the photographs are beautiful, and like, why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> um, but but the the way the story unfolded for me is look at the grassroots organizations that helped to create these landscapes in the first place. And almost every one of them, you can find these folks who lived in Provo, who lived in Salt Lake, who lived down in St. George, who lived wherever, and who understood that if you protected the mountains, you actually protected their livelihoods. Hmm. And they're the ones who are pushing for the creation. And then you tell the story in the early 21st century, and by God, they're now having these collaborative discussions that I think is actually the wave of the future. So one of the things about Malheur is they went to absolutely the wrong place to make their case because that landscape is managed really collectively between the Fish and Wildlife Organization, the Fish and Wildlife Service, and local ranchers and local communities. Um, and so they actually highlighted the thing they didn't want to highlight. Mm. Yeah, they did. They 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 picked the wrong. They picked the wrong sample. But I think that's the future. Yeah. So to go back to your question, which is the thing between a rancher who is local and a DC bureaucrat, that's never been true, but it's really not true now. No, and it, but it seems to be the story they share, and yes. you can see that it, these decisions need to be in localized, right? They need to be in the area, and at least you've got to have people that can talk. And, well, and that's the issue is how do you get people who may have legitimate disagreements about how management plays out? How do you get them to a table? And how do you get them to have a serious conversation? And that's been taking the last 30 years, I think, has been a slow Mm. movement in that regard. The thing you don't do, you don't bring a gun to the table. Right, and a backhoe. Right, yeah. exactly. That, and, and a bulldozer or whatever. That's yeah. like you've just stopped the conversation. Yeah, that's... And you've just made it Ill- Right. You've just made it impossible to talk. No, exactly. Let's uh, let's take a break. Continue this discussion. Really, it's about communicating and it's about hearing each other. And, uh, you know, you're we're seeing with this movement of uh, Trump, a lot of people in the country didn't feel like they were being heard or listened to. And uh, somehow we've got to get it back down to the local level. People talking to people, solving problems together. And when you do, you can create some amazing things and maximize the resources of for all of us. We'll take a break, come back, continue the discussion. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. 
So what is the future of uh, the national parks relationship um, with federal or, or local landowners, local ranchers? Somehow we've got to uh, just head off the sagebrush type of rebellion, understand their concerns, what's going on, and figure out a way to get uh, the governments, all of them, involved to work better with those locals and the locals to work better with the federals. It's, uh, it seems like it's been an age-old issue. And joining us to, to walk us through and just give us some history and insight on it is Char Miller. He is the author of the book, uh, America's Greatest National Forests, Wildernesses, and Grasslands. He also is a professor of environmental analysis at Pomona College um, and just, a, a, I think, a great resource. We've been uh, following and reading some of his work on theconversation.com. Char, thank you so much for being with us again. Thank you, Matt. It's fun. Sorry for ruining your name. Uh, oh, no, that's no worries. Oh, not your no name, worries. your gender. It's confusing. I know. It's well, confusing. it is. Is it? Is it yeah. short for Charlie? Uh, well, you would think so, but it's short for Frank. <laughs> <laughs> your parents spell horror. Is it really? <laughs> You've got to... Yeah, my parents were having fun. Yeah, they were having a lot of fun with you. Yeah. Talk to me about um, where you see this going in, in a Trump administration. You, you say maybe something has changed since November 1, but what? Yeah, that is the, you know, I was listening to the tail end of your previous conversation and, you know, the game of speculation that happens every time we have a transition. Everybody's trying to read tea leaves if, in fact, there are tea leaves and whether they mean anything. Yeah. Um, so from my vantage point, I'm, I'm, you know, like my colleagues and everyone, are, you know, we're trying to figure out what's going to be. Um, and the trick, of course, of a new administration is you don't show your hand. Right. Um, because why would you do that? Um, but I think what it portends, at least in part, is that the uh, it's really going to depend upon who is appointed as cabinet secretary for interior department and the ag department where the forest service is located interiors where fish and wildlife national park service and blm are located so whoever is the cabinet secretary and then the undersecretaries are really going to be the people who manage whatever it is that the trump administration decides at once as its land management policy so the moment we know that we'll know more um, about what the intentions are and how far they're going to push. It but, could be Sarah Palin. Well, what a <laughs> shock that would be. Uh, yeah. Not in a good sense. Mm. Um, but, but, you know, okay, so let's think that through. Let's say it's Sarah Palin or someone like her um, from the West, to be sure, and someone who, who voices the grievances of those who feel like the federal, the public lands are, ought to be more exploited than they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that let's say they make those kinds of noises and also various kind of management schemes emerge to do that. The first thing that's going to happen is that every single environmental group is going to start to sue. Yeah. Then, then all of a sudden, see, I guess that's there's so many constituencies involved, right, that that if it's not just the federal government, it becomes oh, environmentalists gosh. against ranchers. Yeah. It becomes those that want access to oil and mineral, mineral rights. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. This and is... don't want others to have access. I mean, it's also internal to the agencies. I mean, excuse me, internal to the industries themselves about who has access and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. And even when the Bundys, for example, in southern New Utah, uh, Nevada, declare that they control it, you know, there are other ranchers who think, well, wait, hold it. Why do they have access and we don't have access? You know, so some of this is going to get internalized and and debated internally within these various constituencies. But I think much of what we're going to see is 
is um, an effort to try to shake um, the federal government's control over these landscapes, A. B, wherever that gets attempted first, um, various organizations are going to go to court to try to stop it. Um, The lower courts are probably going to agree. We have to wait to see who gets nominated to the Supreme Court to turn that from a 4-4 to a 5-4 vote, um, because that's where those decisions ultimately are going to go to. These are federal lands, and so they go through the federal courts, and that means the Supreme Court is the final decider. Hmm. Uh, That's going to take time. So some of the strategy, I think, for those who are going to be in opposition to potentially a Sarah Palin-like Department of Interior um, are going to fight like crazy through the federal courts. And that's going to slow things down. And who knows? But, you know, on the one hand, I really don't want stuff to get to that point because Hmm. it means we're not managing the landscapes properly. We're right. fighting over that. We're well, yeah, you're in court, right? Do you're in have, court. Like, that's not where you want to be. No, listen, you want to be in the parks. Yeah. So you go talk to uh, the folks who are on the ground in the Park Service, Forest Service, Fish and Wildlife Service, Bureau of Land Management, and they will tell you that they spend so much time in court or working on legal documents to make sure that everything line up so that you don't get sued, even though you will get sued, uh. that they don't. They don't have time to do the other work that, in fact, they came into these organizations to do. And that's a travesty also. Uh, So as much as I'm worried about those folks back uh, in case some other group shows up with guns and decides that with Trump soon to be president, that's what their right is. I'm also worried about the workload that they have taken on that, in fact, takes them away from the work they really want to do. Yeah, wouldn't we rather have these people, you know, meeting with the ranchers, meeting with the locals, building, you know, a unity instead of doing a legal, you know, prep? Yeah. And, you know, it's not that those conversations aren't taking place. In New Mexico, there's this group called the Quivera Coalition in which environmentalists, ranchers, federal agencies have, in fact, managed these grasslands collaboratively. There's a Quincy Library group up in the Sierra uh, Mountains in California that did the exact same thing. Hmm. There are groups in southern Utah that are doing this. I mean, all of these things, and I sort of my book talks a lot about this because I'm really convinced that this is the new wave of conservation, this collaborative notion. Um, And so to assume the conversations aren't happening because the Bundys say they aren't happening, the Bundys owe the federal government a million dollars in back leases. Pay it off and then go to the table. Mm. Yeah. Don't don't not pay your the, the money that you, in fact, owe the people of the United States. And then also try to get away with, you know, occupying various things. It just doesn't read right. Um, But for those folks who not only pay their leases, but who are sitting at the table, I have enormous respect for them. Because they're they're trying to work through the problems. And that's how a democracy functions best. And I guess I wonder, because even in corporate America, you know, once you get an organization to such a large bureaucracy they felt they start they they failed to learn they failed to change they failed to adapt so i mean you've got these great examples of uh, the kivera the quincy library groups and yet we don't um we we can't necessarily replicate them and then there's always the kind of just the western renegade anyway it seems like that's that's you know they're just going to do what they want to do anyway what just as we kind of wrap this up what would you what can we do as just average citizens in these towns in these uh cities um 
what can we do to be more supportive of the, the whole ecosystem of but but make sure the ranchers are taken care of and make sure yeah. the federal government or the federal lands are preserved? I love your term of the ecosystem because I think if we think that way, that we are all part of a larger process, that we are in a social dynamic, um, and it isn't us, them, it is us, I think yeah. you get to the table faster. Um, it's in the same way that if you look at um, those Wasatch Mountains and you think about the waters that flow down that make those valleys possible and those communities possible, that we live in watersheds, if we start framing it in, in these really interesting biological or natural terms, all of a sudden upstream and downstream have a relationship to one another. They may not acknowledge it immediately, but that's what you try to do is to figure out where the common ground is. Mm. And I think the common ground is, whether you're in a small town or, or a large one, is this is where we live. This is the place that we call home. So and true. let's all agree on that. And then let's talk about what home looks like. Good. Good stuff. Char Miller, thank you so much for your great insight. Again, Professor Miller is the author of the book, America's Great National Forests, Wildernesses, and Grasslands. We are so blessed to have uh, such incredible resources and really water in the mountains that can uh, feed the aquifers. And uh, we got to manage it better. And the best way to manage it is together, right? Eye to eye, knee to knee, toe to toe. Let's let's talk it out. Let's figure out ways to, to create some some powerful synergy there. We will take a break. Come back. Wrap up. Hour number, hour number one of the show. Stick with us, my friends. Helping you see the good in the world. Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner. Play ball! Play ball! Welcome back, friends. If you notice, the, the, the most complicated issues, really, as, as I talk to these experts over and over, it still comes down to the grassroots level, the ability of people to dialogue and to discourse. And when you when you uh, were listening to Char, you could sit there and hear, huh, so if, if, we, if we can't get together on this, then apparently this ends up in the court system. So, you know, we make everything a litigation. And as a past mediator, we I would always sit down with uh, people, couples, when we do divorce mediation, and I'd say, we can, you know, we can mediate this, talk this through, figure out your needs, our needs, find a way to create a, a resolution that we can all agree on that's in our control, or we can litigate it. And the minute you litigate it, we become opponents, and it's just, it's just a fight to the end. I saw it in mediation. In in the end, you'd never get more than you could have gotten in mediation. I mean, the the courts are pretty clear the laws are pretty basic and uh i every time somebody would come and ask me okay so can you guarantee me that the mediation will get me more than i could get in litigation i'm like no but go ask your attorney what they can guarantee you and get it in writing the 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 problem is if we turn to an aggressive battling approach you know, he said, she said, yours, mine, uh, it's it's never going to get anywhere. And we have ranchers that need to make a living, farmers that need to make a living. We have federal government that has a mandate to, to protect and preserve. We have environmentalists that are 
doing everything they can to protect and preserve as well. And yet we all overlook, you know, the whole and the need of all to protect our needs, our our ideas. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to build a country and you're not going to build solutions to any of these answers. And the only way to do it when your voice is no longer being heard is people think they have to escalate. So you either go to court if you have the money and the resources or you escalate to violence or de-escalate or, you know, digress. So, folks, this is us. This is our problem. I love the parks and I love the ranchers and I love the farmers and somehow and I love the environment and we're going to have to figure out a way to not just polarize every subject. And I think the best way to do it is to keep talking about it. Let's keep talking about it. It'll at least give us some more ideas and insight into how to do this. Anyway, today, hug a rancher, hug an environmentalist. It's a good start. We'll take a break. We'll be back more to help you live longer, love stronger right here on the Matt Townsend Show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the show. Dr. Matt here. Holy cow, it's Thursday. Can you believe it? And it is Eat a Red Apple Day. You can just... Are you... You can... It's Eat a Red Apple Day. With the day where we celebrate the red delicious apples from Washington State. Somebody keeps eating an apple. Are you done? Hey, you know, I'm not feeling that well. Maybe I What is what's that old saying? It's something a an day. An orange keep, a day. Oh, that doesn't sound right. It's an orange a day keeps the doctor away. Sadie, do you know what that uh, what that old saying is? Yeah, she says what? It's a lemon? No. It's a lemon a day keeps the HMO in pay. You you don't What is it? Uh, I don't know. A something a day keeps the some, keeps the doctor away. I think it's a, a a cleansing a day. Oh, hand washing every day keeps the doctor away. So wait, what day is it again today? Today is December first. Oh, okay. It's eat a red fruit day. Hmm. Hey, what kind me? of what kind of phone do you have? I have a six iPhone six. Who manufactures that again? Uh, that people buy – Steve Jobs Jobs used to own the company or used to lead the company. Uh-huh. Hmm. Your mind's a blank, I guess. <sighs> yeah, it's totally blank. It's Apple. Eat a red apple day. Man. Hey, by the way, today we will be talking about a sandwich that has 8,000 calories. It also carries its own plaque and a defibrillator every time you buy one. <laughs> they, they they hook these leads onto you just in case they need to defibrillate. I think they're served in the hospital cafeteria just yeah, so you're are. right there. Actually, they're served in the ER. Okay. Yeah. And you and they have to hook up an IV before they'll let you use it. It's you got to save time. Mm-hmm. We'll be getting to that, a major uh, heart attack uh, full of kebab meat. 
Mm. Mm. Kebabs. <laughs> Red apples. Just testing. Uh, plus, we will be replaying an, a wonderful interview we did with uh, Marcel Schwantes about um, habits and some of the most important habits you need to create. Ten timeless habits that will change your life right now. Hmm. One might be flossing. E- flossing, for sure. <laughs> Kebabs and apples. Right. For Pl- me, for me, yeah. playing more video games. Does that help? And we had a, a little turmoil in my house because we went to the store and you know, one of these box stores and they didn't have the creamy peanut butter. Oh boy. They Just had the crunchy, extra chunky. crunchy. Yeah, that's not So good. that's caused a little bit of, you know, hate and discontent at home because yeah. dad seems to enjoy it and everyone else just hates the crunchy peanut butter. Do you ever buy the peanut butter that shall remain unnamed that comes with like a huge layer of oil like floating you, on the you top? You have to stir it up before. Yeah. yeah. Did We've you know that. they have a no-stir version of that now? Really? I'm just thinking, why don't they just make them all no-stir? Yeah, you'd think that'd be more, you have to, more appetizing. You have to pay extra not to have the oil floating on top. Oh, I used to drink that oil. Pe- peanut oil? <laughs> mm-hmm. Is that bad? No, I think it's good for you. Right. Along with apples. So, yeah, crunchy versus, cr- or, you know, the smooth, I guess you'd call it. Crunchy butter. like an apple? No, like big chunks of peanuts, which mm. I happen to enjoy. Sorry, your family's fighting. It's fun. Um, we'll get to that fun, plus more habits other than just playing video games and eating crunchy peanut butter. Ten habits that will change your life right now. But let's get first to the headlines with Sadie Nielsen. Sadie, what's going on around the rest of the country? House Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi won another term as her party's leader in the lower chamber, fending off a long shot challenge from the Ohio representative Tim Ryan. House Democrats voted for Pelosi by 134 to to a 63 margin. Pelosi, a former Speaker of the House, was never thought to be on thin ice, even though a host of Democrats signaled they were ready for a change after their party failed to retake the House and Senate. Authorities in Tennessee confirmed Wednesday that at least seven people have been killed in the wildfires that swept through Sevier County. More than 700 homes and businesses have been destroyed, and the fire has likely burned at least 15,000 acres in the Great Smoky Mountains, the Tennessean reports. Investigators believe that the fire was caused by embers from a wildfire in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park blowing into Gatlinburg on Monday night. High winds have helped fan the flames, and heavy rains have created new challenges, Gatlin Fire Chief Greg Miller said. Republican lawmakers are reportedly setting up a three-year deadline to replace the Affordable Care Act to allow for organization and across-the-aisle participation after an early 2017 vote to repeal the health care reform law. The delay would allow the GOP to regroup and pressure Senate Democrats, whose votes would most likely be necessary to enact the changes. The compromise is intended to appease conservative critics of Obamacare while not entirely upending the system and ripping health insurance from 20 million Americans without at least offering an alternative. And finally, this was a crazy story. Crazy? Um, They are calling it probably one of the worst... 
um, road rage stories Ooh. that has happened in a while. So, witnesses captured video of a Los Angeles brawl between two women that escalated when they started using their vehicles to do the battle. Ooh. One of the women gets into her white SUV, revs the engine, and rams into the other woman's silver SUV, damaging the side of the vehicle and nearly removing a passenger side door. The vehicles crashed into each other repeatedly in a demolition-style derby battle. Oh boy! In the small small parking lot, the SUVs ended up on the street, where the white vehicle hits the silver vehicle one last time before crashing into a fire hydrant, which shoots water high into the air. The Los Angeles Department of Water and Power said crews were dispatched to repair the damaged hydrant, and both women may face charges. Yeah, come it was, on! It was crazy though because one woman was beating up the other woman, and then she gets up, gets in her car, and just. And takes off. Just keeps hitting her car, hitting her car, hitting her car. And the other silver <laughs> SUV is trying to get out of the parking lot, and she can't because the woman is just Welcome to Los going Angeles. In, going into her car. <laughs> and then she hits the fire hydrant, and then they just both drive away. You know what? It. It's because of all of. Did you see the traffic back up in LA? Uh uh-uh. uh. They had pictures of it over the holidays. You, and- you mean like every day? Yeah. People are stressed there. Well, this was pre Thanksgiving. Okay. And this was like. Five o'clock in the morning that the freeways are packed as people are trying to get out to go to, you know, holiday dinner. Mm. Seems like the only day there was no traffic in L.A. was when everybody had a day off. Yeah. But I didn't have a day off, so I was still on the road and there was nobody else. Oh, when else. it was a uh, well-people day off, but sick people had to come to work? Yeah. Yeah. There Thank was you sickly, for the reminder. There was the one day they shut down the freeway for maintenance. Oh, yeah. Well, you got to do that once and in a while. there was just all these pictures of just a vast, open, barren nothing. It was like, you know, the end of the world had happened and no one drove their car. Or the walking dead. Yeah. It, uh, it's interesting that they, they would need to go shut down if they have people that keep running into fire hydrants. Well, and, that was, yeah. I mean, that's problematic. It was probably a Thanksgiving or, you know, Black Friday that weekend trying to find a parking spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that is a crazy story, Sadie. Thank you. Thanks for the craziness. It uh, it is a it's it's a good day though. It's Red Apple Day. Just checking. Do you think that sort of sound is going to elicit the same response we got yesterday from other sounds we played? Well, sometimes we'll play a sound that we will not play today of people getting sick, yes. nauseous. <laughs> this is Donald Trump sniffing in debates. Yeah. Oh, and excuse me. She's got a cough. Me. Pneumonia. <coughs> she was, she's doing better. Yeah. She, her health is probably back. Yeah. <laughs> she's back. Uh, here's the thing that will kill your health in one sitting. Dubbed Britain's most fattening sandwich, this whopping 8,000 calorie sandwich. 8,000 calories. Wow. On my, do, my new diet, I'm supposed to be eating like less than 1,700 calories, apparently. Really? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. And uh, in fact, Caitlin Thomas later in the show will be talking to us about holiday fitness. Yes. Don't eat this sandwich. No. That would be your first step. Yeah. 8,000 calories. It's not for the faint-hearted. This huge meal has four times the recommended number of calories for women and over three times the amount of calories recommended for men. The thirteen. It's only $13.95. Hmm. It's a bargain. It's a Parmo kebab, and it's made up of two huge Parmos, breaded chicken covered in melted cheese. Mm. So, parm. Parm. Chicken parms. And is filled with a kebab meat. Uh, diners have to sign a form that say that they won't sue in the event of a heart attack. <laughs> I mean, that right there. Yeah. It's not like you're 
you know, bungee jumping. No. I guess you are. A little bit. When you put 8,000 calories on that load on your heart, your heart is hanging from a bungee jump. Four days worth of calories in one one sitting. That's that's good. But uh, here's the cool thing. If you sign the waiver, the restaurant promises to drive diners uh, – that are having a possible heart attack to the emergency room. It's really the responsible thing to do. It's That's a kind diner. And uh, manager Craig Harker says, if anyone has a heart attack after eating the meal, we'll pay for the taxi to the hospital. Nice. Mm. If uh, they actually die because they ate it, we will chip in on the headstone. Huh. Hmm. Not bad. Full service. We'll name a sandwich in your honor. Yeah. But they'll also probably have to put the parma kebab on the, the brand on the tombstone, right? How did you die, Larry? Parma kebab. Death courtesy of the Parma kebab. That's just crazy. It's a lot of food. Crazy. Got to be careful, folks. 8,000 calories probably shouldn't be in your diet. Hey, um, you know, there's there's so many other things that, that are out there that are killing us, issues that are impacting our lives. We hear them over and over. It's not just Trump anymore. The MT News oh. Team, first on the scene. Fifth on facts. Wow. Wow. Uh, breaking news. We have some breaking news. Uh, interesting um, story. Yesterday, we had a story with uh, Chick Shumway mm. where a guy was having some air horn um, problems. He was being arrested because he kept blowing the air horn. We have another air horn story. Oh, wow. And uh, our very own Chick Shumway is on the scene. Can you even hear him? What? Yeah, Jeff, I can't even hear him. Yeah. Is he there? Chick. Chick. Chick, my friend. Brother? Brother Chick. Yeah, I, I think we better just... I just cut it. Yeah. Cut it out. Get out of that. Wow. The, is this a, uh, that's the a trend? Second, uh, that's the second air horn story that we've sent Chick to. Wow. He is attracted to those stories. Yeah. I don't know how he finds them. And the sad thing is I can't hear a, I can't hear a word. Maybe next time we'll give him a tip to stand further away from the air horn. Maybe we ought not even send him. Just let him report on it from the studio. Okay. He, he better branch out. He's never going to get that Pulitzer that he's mm. hoping for. No, if... You know, he, he, he is, he's got a hearing impairment. Mm. He's been doing what, these stories. Why, why he's been you, in the industry for forty-five you, years. But why are you talking that? about a hearing impairment? Well, I just I heard a story yesterday about a guy that had a cousin or something that blew an air horn in his ear. That was me. Oh, sorry about that. And you promised you'd never bring it up again. Sorry. At least not with a smile. Apple a day. Anyway, the story that Schick was trying to talk about uh, before he was interrupted with the air horn is a new investigation is underway in New Jersey into an alleged assault of a bunny-suited prankster blowing an air horn. <laughs> the bunny suit is a nice touch. Yeah. And he, he what, I guess he was blowing the air horn by a borough police officer after a video of the incident surfaced online. Now the police are, you know, wanting to arrest the guy, um, hoping the guy will turn himself in. He's got an outstanding re- warrant, and uh, you're, you're not allowed to record cops when you're blowing an air horn and embarrassing him. In a bunny suit. In a bunny suit. Gotcha. Well, keep that in mind in case... You know. <laughs> Here's some audio of uh, Kevin Hemmerich. <laughs> he feels bad. Wow. He's having a bad day. That was me. Was that you? 
I didn't know that. I'm sorry. I told you. you I know. You, we brought it up. You again. weren't going to talk about this. I'm sorry. Mm. We hear you. I'm sorry. I mean, you know. Jeff, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about being rude. About, you talking to me? About the air horn issue. Yeah, just speak up. That'll fix it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Shook Shumway. Guys, don't blow air horns around cops and then video it. While wearing a bunny suit. While wearing a bunny suit and, and while the cops are angry and freaking out. Yeah. It, it's just going to lead to something bad happening. Now, if you're wearing a mascot outfit. Totally different. Totally you're, different. You're if you're fine. at a ball you're game. You're in the clear. Mm-hmm, if you're at a ball game. And as we taught yesterday, don't ever blow an air horn near someone's head hmm. or ears. Right? <laughs> you, did, you did it again. Well, I'm, I'm trying to help Jeff no, just, process this. He's fine. Process off the air. He just ends up blubbering into the mic as he he's cries. He's in a lot of pain. Man. thought you were more sensitive than I that. did too. But I, I don't want kids to go through what Jeff's gone through. Apparently, I don't want to bring it up. <laughs> he's going to cry again. I can't. I can't have him crying through the entire show. Uh, any other just news that's important to get out there? I mean, I know you're big into Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is officially bigger than the Rolling Stones, at least in North America. We're talking in records sold. The Forbes list of the 30 highest paid musicians of 2016, Taylor Swift, number one, had $170 million. Wow. They're saying she may get her own iHeart radio station. Yeah. I saw that on my uh, Snapchat. So the rankings look at pre-tax income between June 2015 and June 2016. Your top 10 are Taylor Swift, One Direction, Adele, Mm -hmm. Madonna, Mm -hmm. Rihanna, Mm -hmm. Garth Brooks, Mm -hmm. ACDC, Rolling Stones, Calvin Harris, and Diddy. Calvin Harris? Yeah. That's one I need to write down. I don't know that I've studied much of Calvin Harris. You know, Taylor Swift is just in everything. She's got her name on everything. Mm -hmm. I think they're coming out with the the Swiffer Swifts. Oh, the the Swiffer picker-upper? Yeah, Swiffer Swifts. Yeah. That's just a great product tie-in right there. Yeah. She's out there on the stage cleaning. Yeah. She's got it's got that really skinny little handle. Yeah. Like her leg. They want her to clean up after the sweat all is all over the stage. Just Who, clean up. Who's while you're sweating on the stage? She is. Dancers. I doubt it. No, I doubt it. Really? She's that perfect? Yeah. Just no no perspiration? Does I, she glisten? She probably doesn't sweat. Yeah. Nothing. No. I wow. think she says, I never have to use it. So if I do, I'll use the Swiffer Swift. Some people think she's a robot. Really? Yeah. Why? Well, she always wears kind of these like high-waisted sort of shorts. Well, so does Jeff. Yeah, but it it covers up like the navel, so you never actually have proof that she was ever actually like in a womb and went through the natural sort of uh, progression the rest of us humans go through. So she was like a test tube creation by the music industry. Wow! Because she just shows up and has the next hit that's perfectly calculated. And what websites are you on? (laughs) I don't know. It's just a joke. It's a weird joke. It's funny, though, because it could be true. Jeff, you can give me some assurance that she has a belly button. Does she have a navel? I'm not sure. You're a big Taylor Swift fan. She is an Audi, and that's why she hides it. <laughs> there you She's go. She's ashamed. Breaking news. She's an Audi. 
<laughs> I just outed her yeah, as an did. Audi. No, you totally did. Is she part of the club? I didn't know. Yeah, because, yeah. The, the There's Audi. a support group. Yeah. yeah. Audis are in. They're next door to the to the gingers. It's <laughs> a good gingers. group. Isn't she a ginger too? I mean, no, strawberry she's, blondish. She's blonde. Maybe she hides blonde. that too. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's our uh, Taylor Swift update. Appreciate Terry for bringing that in. Uh, we will take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about ten timeless habits that will change your life right now. We all could do a little uh, house cleaning, habit forming. <laughs> Stick with us. We'll figure out how. Up next. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, we live in a constantly changing world. The only constant we do have, though, is that we can always expect trials and hardships to come. We also always will have a choice for how we handle those. But it all doesn't have to end with the difficulties of life. Even when you've hit a low point, you know, that might include a divorce, unemployment, loss of a loved one, or sickness, whatever it may be, our next guest, Marcel Schwantes, founder of Leadership from the Core, is here with us this morning to teach us how we can take these hard parts of life and use them to reinvent ourselves for the better. Marcel Schwantes, thank you so much for being with us. Good to be here. Thank you, Matt. This is, I think, a cool subject. We need, we talk about life is hard, we hear it in the news. We watch the political process that just seems like a, I don't know, a bad nightmare sometimes. And all of a sudden, life gets heavy. But you've put together uh, for Inc. Magazine 10 timeless habits that will change our lives right now. Did you learn these just consulting with people from your leadership program? I learned these, Matt, as a result of having made so many mistakes. In fact, I referenced that in, uh, in the first paragraph, I believe where the, the most horrendous uh, uh, um, uh, thing that happened in my life was a divorce. Yeah. Right? I think you mentioned it. And out of that uh, situation, I had to reinvent myself. Well, what does that mean? I mean, I wanted to be a better person because all of the decisions leading up to that point uh, were about um, self-gratification. It was all about me, not, not being a person of service, or thinking about the you know, uh, other people. So... I was uh, probably the most arrogant person I knew at that time. So I knew that I had to, I had to figure out a way to um, get out of this mindset that was all about serving me and serving my needs. And so as I read and, um, and, and studied and obviously picked up a few degrees along the way and some certifications, I realized, hey, I'm missing the mark here. I need to, I need to, I need to get with the program. And so I began to... Um, to put together just kind of a, uh, a template for living the life that I wanted. And some of it came out in that ink article. That's great. I mean, and if, if they just could take one idea, it's, it's a great, I think, you know, breakthrough for any of us. And in fact, I challenge all of us that, as we're listening, which one of these could stand out that we could do immediately, start this second today to start doing? Marcel, walk us through some of your points um, sure. and, and why they matter so much. I guess the first one is we need – Especially, I love the idea when you're down and you just are cornered and you can't, you feel stuck. Uh, number one, choose to live in peace. Talk about that. Yeah. Uh, well, peace is, uh, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, Matt. And so I am, um, you know, I'm, I'm in a, a, a startup mode for my business. And so in 
getting a launch going and chasing after investors, um, you know, you tend to want to compare yourself with other entrepreneurs that are further down, further down the path. And, and so in, to live in peace for me as a business owner, uh, first and foremost, is not to compare myself, okay, with, uh, with you know, what's, 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 what are the other Joneses doing, right? Yeah. Um, and so living in peace is just focusing on myself and my own path because that's what's going to – and believing in myself that the path that I'm headed down is – and where I am today is exactly where I should be. Um, because once you start to compare yourself and you start to doubt your own ability, you start to doubt uh, uh, where you should be in life, and, and then that just kind of derails you from the path of peace. Right, so yeah. That's number one. Well, I mean, it seems like you start – it's so easy to have that comparative mentality where – you're looking at the other people your age or in your industry, and you're thinking, oh, man, why are they getting that break? I've been fighting for that break forever. And you become so comparative that you can't sit in the space you've been given, the space you are. Right, right. And so in, in, in living in peace, it, it kind of helps you to stick to the plan and, and keep moving forward towards, you know, towards attaining your vision. Yeah. Another idea then, I guess, is trusting the process. Uh, is yeah. that the process of life? You know, it's funny is that when when you live in peace, obviously uh, the peace allows you to trust in the process, not only of life, but whatever your current situation is. I talk about surrender as a, a word that uh, a lot of Taipei's don't like because it comes across as weak. Like, surrender to what? I mean, come on, do, am I giving up all of a sudden? No, the surrender that I'm talking about is just kind of uh, just surrender yourself to the moment, to the outcome. And just believe in the process. What for, so for me is believe in the process that I'm exactly where I should be, and that um, you know the business is going to take off, and that uh, I'm going to uh, find you know venture capitalist um, money eventually down the line. If it, you know if that if that's what the, where the process takes me, right? Mm-hmm. But the point is just to surrender to the outcome, because believe me, the opposite of that is uh, is <laughs> is a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress that you don't want to take on. Mm. Especially I look in your industry. I mean, everybody's fighting. They're fighting for the next buck. They're fighting for the Mm. next advantage. So great advice, I guess, in a business world. But really, I can even see in in my own personal life with my own family, you know, trusting the process of where I am and what I'm going through. Live happy is another idea you give us. Um, Again, how do we how do we get happy, Marcel, when life's not handing us happiness? It's always a choice, Matt. It's always a choice. But um, I, I talk about the, the, the studies that have been coming out, that you, you choose your path, whether you, uh, even when things are down and you're going kind of a, you know, the chips are down, you're going against the grain. Uh, if you choose to get up in the morning today and you tell yourself, today I choose to live happy, and then you create, um, you create your day around uh, things, activities, um, conversations, um, whatever it is that are going to cause you to feel good about yourself. Um, so I mentioned the things in, in, in living happy. Use the tools of meditation, prayer, journaling, right? And, of course, the, the mindfulness movement is so popular right now right. because it, it helps you to kind of stay in the moment and not worry about tomorrow, next week, a year from now, and just to kind of stay present to what your current situation is, because sometimes 
uh, we tend to blow things out of proportion when it's not that bad. When you compare yourself to, uh, you know, to uh, um, the worst case scenario and, and what uh, the things that are happening around the world. And when you focus just on, okay, where I am right now, you know, it's, it, could be a, it could be a lot worse. So that comes by choice is to choose to be happy and then, and then create. And, and so what happens is when you choose to be happy, good things start to come, come back your way. Mm. So there's a, uh, there's a, a return on your choice to live happy. Yeah. And, and it seems like once, once you've kind of reached that level personally, you want to now take it to your relationships. And you mentioned the need to, to move to have great relationships as well. Well, that, uh, you know, the, the studies coming up, uh, I, I referenced um, the Harvard study of adult development where they followed for 75 years, they followed um, about 724 men in the 1930s throughout the course of their lives, career, marriage, divorce, parenthood, etc. And the response from the, one of the original directors of the study, who, is, by the way, is in the 70s now himself, and he says that the only thing that really matters in life are your relationships to other people. And, and when you studied about the benefits of great relationships, and I'm not talking about quantity, by the way, I'm talking about the quality of your relationships, right? It's been proven that people actually live longer, live happier. Um, those that are, are nearing the age of 50 right now, if you are surrounded by a great community of friends and family that you're well-connected and you're, you, know, you, you have a, a strong social um, network, by the time you hit 80, you're going to be um, you're going to be experiencing better health than those people that kind of are isolated or feel lonely at the age of 50. Hmm. So, absolutely has tremendous benefits. So, start forming those relationships now if you're in your 40s and 50s, uh, because you're going to live a long life. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's it's true. Your gut kind of tells you. That the people matter, but who would have known that it would have such an impact on us? Again, we're speaking with Marcel Schwantes, who wrote an article for um, Inc.com. If you uh, just look up Marcel Schwantes and Inc.com, you'll get right to the article. We're going to take a break, come back, and continue this discussion um, and let you learn more about uh, uh, Mark's work also from Leadership from the Core and uh, some of his servant leadership program and development. We'll take a break. We'll be right back helping you live a healthier life, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. to the Matt Townsend Show, and today we're talking with Marcel Schwantes, who wrote an article, 10 Timeless Habits That Will Change Your Life Right Now. He wrote it for Inc.com. You can check it out on Inc.com, and uh, it's really, a lot of it just comes from his own personal experiences, but also his work at Leadership from the Core. Uh, Marcel, welcome back to the show. Thank you again for being with us. Good to be here. Thank you. One of the things you mentioned in your article um, is at some point you got to give back and, and choosing to give is something that it's one of those timeless habits that we could do right now. And it would immediately inject, you know, some, I guess, joy, happiness back in our lives. Yeah. And uh, we have to, first we have to get out of the, 
um, sort of the, 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 the stigma of giving is that it, it's attached to money. And that, well, I don't have any money. How can I give? Well, right. we, we can give so much uh, outside of, uh, you know, of, of money. For example, is there a person that you can mentor that you can give your time to and perhaps to teach somebody something new, a skill? Um, uh, is there a, a cause that you can support, you can, that you can give of your time, say, to volunteer at a shelter, for example, or support a cause? Um, and, and basically, it's, giving is to have a pay-it-forward mentality, right? That's yeah. a mindset. That's a mindset that we choose. To, to do to get up in the morning and say I'm going to be a giver today. In fact, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, I get to go to a lot of networking events, and uh, there's something uh, unusual about most networking events. If you've been to, you know, like a chamber of commerce, for example, people show up with their business cards, and it's more of a what, what uh, Adam Grant in his book Give and Take calls the, uh, uh, the matchers. Right? You show up with your business card. You, you hand your business card and you get one back. It's, it's kind of a matching thing, right? Scratch your back, I'll scratch yours. You're expecting something in return. Well, in giving, there's another, um, another uh, form of giving, and this is really profound. Uh, a guy by the name of Adam Rifkin is an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur out in the Silicon Valley, and he started something called the five-minute favor. Hmm. And the five-minute favor also is also... Um, uh, documented in uh, Adam Grant's book, Give and Take, by the way, if you want to pick up a copy. But um, Five Minute Favor is basically showing up to a networking event and giving something without any expectation of return coming back at you. And so it can be, say, a, a five-minute favor where you uh, connect somebody um, to somebody, you make an introduction, um, or you write a quick review of someone's book, um, you know, and, or just uh, you know, or even uh, critique somebody's resume. So it's 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 giving a, a selfless act basically. And these five minute favors are popping up now, um, and all over the country. And what's happening is people are coming, and 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 it's it's becoming so popular. And what they're finding is that those people that give, um, even without expecting anything in return, the return is going to be even higher in the long term. So they're going to experience even more success by giving without expecting anything mm. back. Yeah. And it almost seems like this gets to your deeper core, the the deeper person that you are. You're deeper than your business that you're selling to, you know, at these at these events. Instead, let me just connect with you one-on-one person to person. Yeah, that's correct. And you know, it helps to foster sort of that Servant leadership mentality yeah. that um, that we're that we're hopefully going to be touching on in a, in a few minutes here. In fact, but, um, talk yeah, to, get to that because that's part of what I see as as I look at some of your final um, uh, points. Um, mm-hmm. Choose compassion and kindness. Choose to have faith. Choose the good fight. Mm-hmm. Make decisions full of integrity. These are. These are kind of virtues, right? These are, I guess, they're not always seen as business principles per se, but these are things that you're saying will immediately drive you to some state of happiness. It's uh, that's true in a state of happiness, whether in your personal life or uh, in your business life. Right, they work there too. Right, and and so the these as you as you as we round out here the last five, um, they're really tenants of a servant leader, somebody that puts the needs of others first. Obviously, if you're going to exercise 
compassion and kindness. It's not about you, right? Right. Um, and uh, in fact, I, I want to reference something that uh, I saw recently. Um, you know, Sean Acker is the best-selling author, and he's that uh, scientist that sat down with Oprah and basically told her um, the uh, five steps to, to, to kind of train your brain to become more positive. And he told Oprah that one of the things that people do that according to his research, obviously, this is, you know, there's empirical evidence here to suggest that you, you can become happier by doing this every day. And he says, express compassion and kindness. Basically, all it takes is for two minutes a day, you write a text or write an email uh, praising or thanking someone you know. And that's it. And you do it, you know, hmm. for a different person each day. And what Sean Acker is saying and, you know, and he, he says this in his wildly popular TED Talk, by the way, you can look it up. He says that people who do this become known as positive leaders with strong social connect- connections. And it's, it's the, the greatest predictor of long-term happiness. Wow. It comes from extending that kindness, kindness and that compassion. And, hey, you can start today by doing it two minutes a day. <laughs> so. Isn't that easy? It's – I guess, I guess that's what I love about this um, because – it's the simplest solution, and and it works, and it's almost intuitive. You can think by just writing that letter, or you know, by just serving that person for a few minutes. It's it's going to make them. It's going to deepen a connection, but it will also simultaneously make your life better, more fulfilling. Yes, richer. Transfer that to the workplace. You're in the management role. Um, it works even wonders because this is how you value your employees. And in return, they're going to give you their best effort. They're going to show up with their best work. Talk about your – one of the points is make decisions in full integrity. One of the things we see going on in the political race of presidency, a lot of people not trusting the two the two leaders. Um, mm-hmm. Talk about integrity and trust and, and, and what does that do to you personally? Like why is why is this a motivator – that will immediately change me. Yeah, you know, it's uh, the the old saying is the, the integrity is uh, is doing the right thing even when nobody's looking, right? So right. it gives you. It, it's basically acting acting in integrity uh, is acting according to your values, and and so honesty is obviously a big one for me. Honesty, authenticity, being able to show up with your with your feelings, right? If you if you um, if if you don't agree with something, you need to express that disagreement in a respectful way. But what integrity does is that it allows you to live in, you're, you have a clear conscience. By, by walking in integrity, you're walking the talk, right? Mm-hmm. People, don't, people don't question your motives. Um, they know that you don't, uh, uh, you're not out to manipulate or, or take advantage, right? And so that's what a person of integrity does. And this is especially applicable in, in a leadership role. You, you can't be a leader without integrity because leadership is all about character and influence. Yeah. So those, those things are all wrapped up in integrity. And it, it sells the message, right? And, and it makes it easier. If you have that integrity, people trust what you're saying more, I guess, instantly than if they have to kind of work through all of the other stuff they know about you. That's Usually the case, Matt, is uh, the, the the people that respond to the best leaders are the ones that they can trust, and yeah. integrity goes hand-in-hand hand with that. That's powerful. Um, talk a little bit more about the steward leadership and, and, and the concept of that. I, I We talk about that a lot in my church, about, uh, you know, the, we have a stewardship of the land, of our family, and it's kind of, it's a... 
it's it's a different approach to leading. It's not so domineering. Right. Well, servant leadership, um, you know, it's it's certainly not a, a new concept. It's not a, a new – there's no right. – um, you know, not a big business lingo. It goes back for centuries. I mean, if you, you, you want to reference servant leadership, you can go back to the, the world's major religions talk about servant leadership. You know, as far back as, you know, in, in Christian terms, uh, Christ uh, washing the feet of, of his disciples mm. was an example of servant leadership. But how does that translate to the modern culture uh, in, in the modern workplace? Well, let me flash forward to 1970, a guy by the name of Robert Greenleaf, um, studied what was happening in the workplace uh, in his at that time he was he was an executor for AT and T and over the course of about thirty to forty years he came up with all of the behaviors that um, the best leaders had and then wrote a book about an essay actually and uh, and described that all of these all of these things that the, that employees are responding to um, the the leader that was a good coach. And a good mentor, uh, the leader that respected you and, and encouraged you. Those were, in back, you know, this is back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, um, translated to people that were actually serving, and in serving, they they served and they led. So there's that paradox. Yeah. Right? But they were they served first, and then that pointed them to great leadership, and the people responded. And so he started, you know, he wrote a book, and now. Uh, when you, I mean, when you think about leadership as a whole, Matt, um, I don't even, I, I don't even use servant leadership as a as a term because it kind of, um, it's still counterintuitive, and uh-huh. you know, people question uh, the servant part, right? Yeah. That, that it's it's too weak and it's you know it's doormat material, etc. So, but what's happening is that when you look at the tenets of servant leadership that Greenleaf researched and talked about. That's just making the case for awesome leadership today, right? Right. right. So a servant, a servant leader is a great listener. Well, the best and most powerful leaders um, that get people to trust them, they are excellent leaders, right? Um, the 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 servant leader that uh, shares shares his or her power. You'll find that now in the best cultures where employees are engaged because they have a voice and they can ex- express their voice without without the fear of being reprimanded right mm-hmm. to uh, to to provide input and ideas this is what a great leader does does today he invites in those different perspectives from a from from diverse ideas from different people personalities gender whatever right age etc let me we're Right now, millennials are now the the, the, the biggest segment of, of our, our population is composed of, of millennials. So we have to adapt a little bit to to the millennial mindset as well and invite them into the conversation and give them a seat at the table, right, um, and then groom them to become future leaders as well. So that's what – those are all things that that um, I would make a case to say that, that the, the best of leaders do today – and Greenleaf was talking about it 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Isn't that, again, it's it's so principle-based that that uh, it's, I guess it will always kind of stand the test of time. Um, d- talk about, as we wrap this up, I always like to ask the one thing. So if, mm. if we've talked about 10 different points plus many more, and if there's one thing that we could just do today, every one of us, simple, basic, what would you say is the one thing that would make – 
the biggest change in your life right now? Uh, for me, I think that it, this speaks to my personal um, vision and my personal goals in life, and but, but that is to give. Um, I, you know, the giving part. Uh, yeah. The whole purpose uh, for me to establish a business is to create enough wealth to give back, to pay it forward. And, and, and our, my wife and I have this personal mission where um, we want to fight the, and, and help to end the sex trafficking problems that we see across the country. And I'm in, I'm in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we have, a here, we have a problem with that here in our own backyard. And so obviously we want to support the causes that, that fight uh, uh, sex trafficking and human trafficking. And mm. so that's, that, that is a whole purpose for creating wealth through our different businesses and ventures is to be able to give back towards that cause. That's beautiful. And I, I love the cause as well. So uh, we'll have to get you back on, Marcel. We'll keep watching your latest uh, writings as well. And I guess is the best place for them to get a hold of you at leadershipfromthecore.com? That's it, leadershipfromthecore.com. Or you can find me on Inc., like you mentioned. That's it. Marcel Schwantes, thank you so much for your great work. Keep it up. My pleasure. Thank you. Again, go check him out on Inc.com as well or leadershipfromthecore.com. There's power, folks, and little steps, simple things, and they seem sometimes just like too easy. But why aren't we doing them if they're so easy? Well, I tried it. It didn't work. I tried giving, and it just didn't work. Come on. Then give more. Eh. A lot going on. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yes, it is. Does, does this mean we won something on Ellen? No. <laughs> You've been watching too much, Alan. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You win nothing except a cold. It is the most wonderful time of year, folks. The holidays are here. Trees are up. Houses are lit, as well as some people out there. And uh, we are awaiting the arrival of good old St. Nick. But we all know that with the holidays, there comes food and lots of it. And because of that and the stress, we're going to gain some weight. So who better to help us with this than Caitlin Thomas? She's here this morning to talk with us about how to stay fit and active this holiday season while enjoying all of the tempting treats of the holidays. Hello. Hello. Matt, today's segment is inspired by my mother. Really? You hear this theme song? Yeah. Guess what me and my mom um, Yo, Adrian. today. What? You watched, well, had a ma- mom, Rocky Marathon? No, oh. my mom signed us up for a boxing class. Oh, that's cool. That's really I'm cool. I'm feeling very Rocky Balboa are you? this week. Why are you wearing such a puffy coat? Because it's cold and my muscles are really sore, so I'm trying to keep <laughs> them heated. <laughs> so you've been you've been hitting the bag? I've been hitting the bag, me yeah. and my mom and my little sister. We decided uh, that this was our way to stay in shape. So this is, this is how you do it. You just play a little Rocky music and then you just hit the speed bag. Yeah, yeah, totally. But, I mean, we just wanted a new kind of fun way that we hadn't tried before to stay in shape um, going into the new year, but also just the holiday season to keep us. And I'll tell you what, boxing is stress relieving. You're stressed no, is out. It really? Go punch, go um, punch some stuff at the box. Well, let's, let's be, let's be clear about that. Go punch, punch bag. a bag. Don't punch a person. And don't no, just can. punch a wall. If, you're, if you get good enough, they let you go in the ring with another person. Are you going to do that? 
Because I would pay. Like I would pay to now. see that. Do you punch meat? <gasps> no. Yeah. No, nothing like that. Raw eggs. Bam, 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 bam. But I mean. This was a new kind of fun way, and now we're all motivated to work out again because it's new and exciting, and we're doing it together. Are so. you? It seems like you'd be more violent after this. Do you notice no, that actually, you like get, do more shadow boxing than no, you used I feel, to? No, I feel way more happy because I like get it all out, and then I'm like, oh, there's nothing. I'm just I'm cool. I got lots of good yeah. energy now. Why yeah. did you yell at me when you came in here? <laughs> did you see yeah, that? I heard that's that. That's a lot. I didn't yell at you. Well, she hit you, didn't she? But that's what we're gonna talk about. No, okay. I didn't hit anyone. You just threw a punch. Disclaimer: that's... I didn't hit anyone. I would well, you never didn't land do the punch. that. Let's be real. And let's be honest: I'm not that great at punching yet. Is it? Uh, but you say your body's sore, so yeah, it doesn't mean, matter what you do. You're going to have to go through this soreness stage, right? But it's a good thing. You creatine. Know, my mom and I. They say creatine takes care of that. Yeah, my mom and I woke up, and but we're feeling good. So we're going to talk it's about good. some other okay. fun ways we okay. can, because nobody wants to be stressed out about food. Mm-mm. Like you just want to enjoy the good foods this Christmas. You want to? I get it. So you want to pound? Join a boxing gym. Why not? So Try one it. way to stay fit is join a boxing gym, and then. You'll feel good while you're eating your snacks and treats. Yeah, I'm going to feel way great about eating all the pie. Totally true. Another one, um, you can go buy. They're called the TRX bands. They have them at the gym, but you can buy them them. online. And you can take those with you if you're traveling. And there's tons of workouts that you can do. Do they have like – are they the ones with handles on them? Yeah. Because I have those. And you can like tie them to like the tree or to like anything. But be careful because that's where um, Senator Reid – one of those bands came loose and hit him in the eyeball. And no, true story. And it blinded him almost. Okay. So caution. Caution with the bands. Whenever you're exercising, be careful. I use mine every month. Every month. Well, it's a good month to pull it out of the closet. I actually, I've hooked it to the end of my bed and I use it to pull myself up out of bed. That's perfect. It works. How to get to work in the morning. Totally. Oh, here's another one. Why don't you just do some yoga? Feel the relaxation coming through your body. <sighs> breathe in. Breathe out. Yoga. Yoga is one of my favorite ways to do Oh, Matt's gone. Better turn it off. It, uh, Are you awake? Good morning. That music is the music I use when I want to meditate. And by yeah, that you well, mean sleep. Yeah. And yeah. it always puts me And then sleep. you always go to sleep. But yeah, yoga, people I think underestimate the power no, of yoga. No, huge. And then Stress sweat relieving. yoga. Have you ever done sweaty yoga? Yeah. Bik- Bikram yoga? It's really good for you. It's really good for your your muscles and your joints and your chakras and all of that Pardon? stuff. If you're really into that, I mean, go take some really – there's some like discounted yoga classes for Christmas. I totally. No, yoga is a great thing. It is, it's so good And for flexibility. You. you know yeah. who should do yoga is Yoda. Oh, Yoda, Yoda, yoga. I bet yoga. I bet I bet Yoda made yoga. Chakras? Relaxed you will feel. See, oh my gosh. That's, that's so good. So good. Here's the other one. Yeah. These are some of my favorites because I love these. Go take a Zumba class. Uh, or any of the above cardio classes. Zumba. Zumba is my favorite. Okay. Personally, I used to be a teacher. Like, I would teach a class. Tons of fun. You want to sweat. And just listen to this music. Well, I, this music groovy. makes you move. Right? Like, you have no choice but to at least, you're, like, you're moving something. It actually, I think Jeff's having a seizure. I, I'm dancing. I get Zumba all the time. I get, like, a Strawberries Wild yeah. and a, a Pineapple, Aloha I think Pineapple. That's a ja- is that a Jamba? Oh, Jamba Juice. Okay, sorry. That's sorry. not a Zumba. Zumba's are different. But, okay, but they also have this other thing. Yeah? It's called Pound, and it's 
it's cake? a workout. It's a cardio class. No, but but you're like you have drumsticks in your hand and you're just like oh, whacking the drumsticks. But it's also oh, I do I do drumsticks too. Oh, uh, I love like drumsticks. The, the chocolate you two are the worst right the now. You're really killing peanuts. my segment. You're really killing Sorry. my segment. Keep going. Mm. You've only got thirty more seconds. Well, I mean, find a new way to do it. Don't drink tons of cider. Drink some water every once water? in a while. Hold off on the eggnog, Matt. Chicken drumsticks. No, not chicken drumsticks. Audio classes. Uh huh. Yoga. Yoga um, with Yoda. Oh, and if you can't make it to the gym and you don't have time to lift weights, get some of those heavy soup cans out of your pantry. Do That's some nice arm idea. exercises in yeah. your kitchen while you're cooking. You know, while the uh-huh. ham's cooking in the oven this Christmas. Totally. And lift motivation. The cans of yams. <laughs> Give your set a goal. I have a goal. Yeah. Every mile, a Twinkie. There you go. Reward yourself. Exactly. Eat the treats. Don't stress about it. Find a new way to get active so that you can just eat oh, and feel good. That's good news. It Have really a happy, is. And stress-free holiday. Go do boxing. I think instead I of a, a Twinkie, you should eat an apple. It is because it's eat a red apple day. Yeah. Thank you. But anyways, here's a good way to kick off your holiday season. Stress-free kick it. and healthy. Caitlin Thomas, thank Join you. Join a boxing class. Join a boxing class and then go get some massage therapy after. Great insight. Uh, You can stay healthy during the holidays. We'll take a break. Come back. More fun. Just a minute. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. This is the place where we try to give you uh, the news, the information you need. We call it empty news. MT. Matt Townsend. Yes. It's empty. You said it. That sounds empty-ish. Top of the morning to you. Today, by the way, eat a red apple day. Here we go. Eat a red fruit day. Not a pomegranate. Not a grape. Oh, come on! An apple. Anyway, uh, today again celebrating Washington State, one of the biggest producers of apples, and the red delicious apple constitutes 75% of the state's production. So, folks... They say an apple a day annoys you through the radio. Huh, Jeffrey? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It I will. think your uh, I think your phone is ringing. No, it's not. Is it? No. You don't have an Android, do you? No, no, no. I have. Uh, I have one. I have another one. Okay. It's really good, though. It's uh, according to this study, iPhone users are more dishonest. Yeah, Matt, I believe it. That sounds about right. Do you think you are mo- more dishonest because of the selection of your phone? Yes. Are yeah. you lying right now? Yes. <laughs> you caught me. Liar! 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 Wow! So much to talk about. So so little time today. Also, we will be talking with Heather Johnson. About the good and bad technology. Again, apparently, iPhones are for liars. And Androids, what are they for? People who enjoy things blowing up in their pockets. 
Absolutely. Do you smell smoke? Hmm? You're fired. Is that flesh on fire? I can't. Hmm. Please make sure you turn your notebook seven off. Okay. We're going to get to all of that. Plus, we'll be visiting our good brethren at BYU Sports Nation. We'll be talking about the hero of the day, of course. But first and foremost, to Sadie Nielsen with the headline. Sadie, what's going on around the rest of the country? Senator Elizabeth Warren on Wednesday accused President-elect Donald Trump of running his administration on bigotry and Wall Street insiders trickle-down economics. Warren took particular issue with Trump's appointment of Steven Mnuchin to lead the Treasury, a move which many say is at odds with Trump's campaign rhetoric. Despite Trump's promises to break the connection between Wall Street and this Congress, she said, he chose a man who has actually been one of the people who helped do all the lousy mortgages that not only broke the economy, but broke millions of families. What Donald Trump is doing is he's literally handing the keys of the Treasury over to a Wall Street banker who helped cause the crash, she said on CNN. Today, President-elect Donald Trump is taking a break from auditioning cabinet members to travel to Indiana and Ohio, the inaugural leg of what he's calling his Trump USA Thank You Tour 2016. Trump's first stop today, alongside Vice President-elect Mike Pence, will be in Indianapolis, while he will hold an event with Carrier Corporation, the heating and air conditioning company this week, that agreed to not ship at least 800 jobs to Mexico, as planned. No details have been yet released on the price of keeping those jobs in Indiana. And the Carrier event is closed to the public. In Cincinnati tonight, Trump and Pence will hold a rally at the U.S. Bank Arena. Ballots are still being tallied from the November 8th presidential election, and Hillary Clinton's lead is in the popular vote over Donald Trump continues to climb. On Wednesday night, the Associated Press released its latest figures, giving Hillary Clinton 2.3 million more votes than Donald Trump. Based on those numbers, Clinton has 48.1% of the vote and Trump 46.4%. In electoral votes, Trump has 306 to Clinton's 232. And finally, yes. how much do you like Mickey D's, Matt? I love it. I think it's one of the greatest things ever to the earth. Would you eat it every day for lunch for the rest of your life? No. My wife won't let me. Okay. Well, there is a lady named Nadine Baum. She was given the gift of free McDonald's for life on Mm. her birthday. Now, she is 100 years old, however. (laughs) (laughs) But she was handed this coveted present when she reached a full century back in October and was surprised by friends, family, and staff when she went in for her regular lunch. Um, She has been going to McDonald's every day. For the past six years. Oh, that's cute. And uh, so no one really... It's a very social place for some people. That's where they go read the paper and talk to the community. But she has had lunch there every day for six years, and she is 100 years old. Well, okay. Let's just say Nadine... Bomb. Nadine Bomb. Nadine Bomb. Ends up, you know, having a... Whatever they call it. Caesar? Coronary? No, I was going to (laughs) say McDLT, but they don't serve those anymore. Um... And she passes away. Okay. You mean, they're already betting on her age, right? Right. And it just doesn't seem like that's, I mean, it's a good bet. Give her everything for life. But when she, if she kills over and passes away, heaven forbid, at a McDonald's, that's bad press. I don't think that's a lawsuit that they could win against McDonald's. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. See, I, it doesn't matter because she's already 100 years old. So when yeah. she dies, 
she dies. And if she's been living off McDonald's for lunch for six years already, mm-hmm. I mean... You know what? That sounds pretty dark. That's exactly what Ivan Drago said <clears throat> in Rocky IV. If, she if he dies, he dies. <gasps> but she didn't say it with that accent. No. But if Sadie he has... Dies, I've he heard dies. her say that with that accent before. If he dies, But see, he Sadie dies. can get away with saying that because she's just this young, spry, healthy person. Who eats fast food probably more than they should. Daily. Oh, well. Not quite. Well, we wish Nadine the very best. May she live long and prosper. And I just did my Spock thing. That's good. Nerd alert! That's as nerd as it gets. Wow, we played that on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I just watched the final episode of Star Trek Beyond. The last movie? That's That's not the final one. That's the final one I'm going to see. Okay. Did you like that movie? Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was a little far-fetched. What, the whole idea of exploring space? Yeah. Several hundred years in the future? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole I, premise? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You knew that going in, right? Oh, yeah. So how can it be far-fetched? Because it's far and... It's a trap! Hard to fetch. Okay. Uh, we've got a lot to discuss. Did you hear about the spelling bee bandit? Hmm. Boston. The FBI is offering a reward a reward for information leading to the capture of a man known as the Spelling Bee Bandit. Mm. The man has targeted four banks in Boston area, and in each instance, he entered the bank wearing sunglasses before writing a robbery note. By the way, he spelled the word robbery, R-O-B-E-R-Y, mm. missing a B. Right. Can you imagine if he strolled in there in a robe and it was a robbery? That's a great point. They go, what's a, what's a robbery? You, this is a robbery? No, actually, this is the bank, sir. I think the robbery is next door. The uh, the bandit, though, um, they're they're on the lookout for him. So you'll know him. Just ask him to spell Abby. Hmm. Anything with a double B, he has trouble right. with. Um, it is a difficult rule. If you didn't uh-huh. catch it in elementary school, you may not. There's some things you got to spell it. right. 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 And in fact, uh, Woody Allen's made some money on this idea. I am pointing a gub. That's G U N. Well, that's gun. a B. That's gub. <clears throat> no, excuse me. That's, that's an N. Miss uh, Frank. I am pointing a gun at you. Apt natural. No, that's what act. What is apt? Yeah, that's act. Oh, it couldn't be. That's yes. a plain B. Hmm. <laughs> if you're going to if you're going to write a note to rob a <clears throat> bank or to rub a bank, you need to make sure you, you're writing it clearly because you don't want them questioning it. The great thing about this scene is the uh, supervisor says, oh, I'll have to get my uh, manager to to initial this note. Uh, I'm sorry. That's our policy. <laughs> you can't even rob a bank anymore because now everyone's critiquing your grammar and your uh, spelling. Sheesh. This is why the best criminals don't talk or write notes. They just in and out. By the way, doesn't In-N-Out Burger sound good right now? Mm. We're always so hungry on this show. Uh, Terry, do you have any news about food? So Breitbart, we've heard a lot about this Uh, website. uh, Mr. Bannon, not O'Bannon, Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon's company company website, however, I'm not sure his association anymore, but he's associated. Um, And the Kellogg Company, Mm -hmm. they make cereal. Make great cereal. 
They're great. So apparently, Breitbart has declared war on Kellogg's. The new site, the news site, declared hashtag #war and called for a boycott on Kellogg after it announced that it will no longer advertise on the right wing site because it quote isn't aligned with our values as a company. Hmm. This all out of the Guardian. Other companies, including Earthlink. Allstate and Vanguard have also removed their ads from the site, which uh, critics accuse of running racist, inflammatory... That's the alt-right side, everyone's claiming. Yes. So the content isn't what they want to be associated with. Breitbart said the decision would make virtually no revenue impact on the company, but it represents an escalation in a war on conservatives by leftist companies. Okay, uh, just a question here. Yeah. Did, Did these organizations not know what was on Breitbart before that? It is unclear. Is this only becoming an issue since more people are having a backlash about Breitbart? I would assume so. So they were actually apparently targeting alt-right earlier, and now they've been caught targeting alt-right and have pulled out. Yes. Okay. That's usually how this works. Just wanted to clarify that. That's interesting. Also, do you have advent calendars? Uh, I can't get enough of them. For Christmas, right? Yeah. Because today is December 1st. Now you got to start, you know. Pulling rings off my, or opening little doors. My kid, I think we have four of them in the house. Really? And so my kid runs to all four of them, and they move a little bead oh, or cute. they, you yeah. know, whatever. And we have one that you open it, and it's full of like a piece of chocolate. So every Ooh, morning he opens go. it, and there's a piece of chocolate. So your kid starts the day with a piece of chocolate. Yeah, it's you know really healthy. Um, this woman in England has come up with a cheese advent calendar. Yummy. So you have all 25 days. Yeah. And or twenty four, and you day, open different each, cheeses each door, and it's full of cheese. Oh boy, I like that one. Uh, she says the type of cheese used needs to be boxable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an it's an idea she's been trying to get going. Yeah, it's, it's no, it's kind it, of a concept, right? She has a website called uh, cheeseadventcalendar.com. Well, she's cornered that market. And if you go there, you can actually sign up for one, and she'll send you a notification when there's actually a calendar to purchase. So it would need to have squeaky cheese. And cheese whiz. So she says it needs to be boxed. Yeah, that's boxable. It needs to be boxable in miniature form. Needs to stay fresh for as long as possible. The cheese will have to be vacuum sealed. So she's looking at manufacturers. Maybe they supply cheese to airlines or whatever. You know, yeah. You almost need like a just a wrapped, sealed little cheese nugget of goodness. Nothing's going to last longer than that cheese whiz. The thing is mostly preservatives. You could actually just squeeze. The cheese whiz just just squirted in all of the little holes, and then the kids could just dig it out. Right, or that what the cheese and crackers, oh, those little yeah. snacks. You yeah. get the little little red knife mm-hmm. thing they come with. Would well, your son like to wake up to cheese or no, chocolate? He likes chocolate. Mm-hmm. It says while the advent calendar may have to be refrigerated, we will work out a design for the box so it can be hung up on the inside door of the fridge, making it easier to instantly get and go. Mm. It's almost like uh, we're missing the point of the advent calendar. It's about the cheese, right? It seems like everything's about the cheese, not <laughs> not the point. Now, I think her idea is to have the same cheese every day, yeah. not a variety of cheese. It, it seems like we're still missing the point. Okay. <laughs> there's like It's like there's something deeper. Right. That like a meaning of some kind? I can't put beyond, my finger on Beyond it. cheese and candy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't I mean, know. The ad, don't get me wrong. A good advent calendar is fantastic. Right. It just seems like there's something we're missing. <laughs> In other news, hmm. 
What? There's new food on the market. Oh, boy. I like to share it with you because, you know. Yeah, we're starving. It, it's food. Taco Bell decided mm. that using actual cheese isn't enough after creations such as Doritos Locos Tacos and Cheetos <laughs> Burritos. Um, Cheetos Burritos. They've come up with a new creation called the Cheetos Quesadilla. Hold on, let me get this in my head. Cheetos. Doesn't, doesn't have the right ring to it. Quesadilla. No. I don't know if that's the actual f- name they're marketing, they but need it's to, what they, it is. Well, my Spanish says they need to call it Cheetos Quesadillitos. It's, yeah, they need to work on the name. It's very orange. Yeah. Um, flammable? Probably. Yesterday well, we learned we learned flammable. You can light them on fire, yeah. So you have melted cheese yeah. in a tortilla and then a, a full bag, apparently, of not a you know the yeah. mini, mini, yeah, mini snack bag. packs uh-huh. of jalapeno-flavored Cheetos. Mm. So really, it's just a Cheeto... Taco. Yeah. Or che- Cheeto quesadilla. You make a quesadilla and put some Cheetos in the middle of it. So yeah. now instead of making us throw up by eating their food, they're just trying to make us throw up by describing their food. Like hold, you don't even have to on. eat it to throw, throw up. up. Cheese tortilla we weren't going to talk Cheetos. about throwing up. No, we weren't yeah. going to do noises of throw up. No, no, you just use the word. The word is just as just as bad sometimes. Mm. And you don't want to connect that to that wonderful establishment. Right. I love it. But that idea, I'm not sure I'm, I'm game for. I, don't get me wrong. I love me a good Cheeto. When I was a kid, I had friends. They'd, they'd have like a sandwich, mm-hmm. and they just put their chips in the sandwich. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what they're doing here. Okay. You just have a sandwich and throw some Cheetos in there. Everybody just thinks you can just throw something else in. Yeah. But I've but, watched all of the chef shows. Uh-huh. You can't. They don't like that? Mm-hmm. In fact, they always tell you to take the Cheetos out. Right. Like they'd say, put real jalapenos on the quesadilla. Or they say, you know, at least cr- crush them up and then dust it with the Cheeto dust. Yeah, gently dust. Or at least it. use organic Cheetos. Do they exist? I don't think so. Can you do organic when it's I think synthetically he's missing made? The point of organic. Okay. Do you want a Cheetos advent calendar? <gasps> How would that be? If they're all the same flavor, it, I'd want a Funyuns advent calendar. It myself. seems like we're still missing. The, the point. The point of the calendar? Mm-hmm. No. I don't know what it is. No, we are. <sighs> anyway, we will take a break when we come back. Good and bad technology. Heather Johnson's with us. Hadge, you're soaking in it. We're going to be uh, getting more information about how to uh, raise a family through this incredible technological, technologically driven age. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends. There's the music, which means Heather Ann Johnson's joining us. Hadge, we call her on the show. You're soaking in it. You're soaking in it. Not Madge. Hadge. But she uh, is here today to talk to us really about families, how to create a healthier family in this age and era of technology. Sometimes you lose your family. We do. We lose our family a little bit. And it's, uh, not, it's not fun because in the end, you need you need to keep everyone close but you want them you want them to become literate you want them to understand how to use technology right it's exactly right and there's a ton of benefits of technology yeah now we're hearing this a lot technology is like always in the background always in the background we're going to look at it a little bit differently this way in hopes that there's some things you can do that provide us hope instead of this feeling of we're doomed yeah. right it's over it's over because the problem is as much as we maybe sometimes wish technology is not going anywhere this is our new reality 
that tech is around us. We're surrounded by it. It will only become more prevalent in our lives. It's here to stay. So this idea that we wish we could get rid of it or how do we get rid of it, we're fighting against a brick wall. Mm-hmm. That's that's no. not what we should be thinking here. We can see the benefits, right? We've got tons of them. We've got efficiency. We've got connection with family members who live far away. We've got abilities to learn new skills and gain new knowledge and you information. You can now FaceTime a funeral. You, you can now <laughs> – you can mourn and grieve with those miles away. There you go, because you can get there, yeah. right? So we've got all these benefits, but let's the, kind of this first half take a little bit to understand how technology is having a negative fe- effect on our families and in particular on our children, right? We know and we've heard the research about when kids are young, toddlers run into a lot of trouble when they see screens too much. Yeah. American Academy of Pediatrics for years has suggested no screens before the age of two. They have now changed that because guess what? That's impossible. Yeah. That can't be done. There is no way for me to keep our our baby from ever seeing oh. – I'd have to live in a hole. I, I can't right. do that. And so those things have changed a little. But the things that are hurting them, toddlers who are seeing screens too much, lower vocabulary skills – an inability to be creative hmm. and to imagine, right? Everything's shown to them. They don't yeah. have to create anything in their mind. We're also starting to see that too much technology for young children is causing attachment disorders because any time for one they reach out to ask if we're there, we're busy. Right. And on top of that, it puts them in a position where they don't know then how to make those connections with people from a very young age. That's huge. So we're seeing trouble with toddlers, right? Then we run into our teenage, preteen years. And this is where parents, you know, usually children, the average age for a child to get a cell phone now is about 10. Mm. Parents hit this time of life and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm dreading this. I want my child to have a phone or they need it. I need to talk to them. But at the same time, what am I going to do? Yeah. There's damage. Right. If there's too much, there's some damage. A couple of things that happen at this phase, we've got situations where teens at this point start to have or see an effect not just on their relationships but also on their reputations. Mm. This is where you've got a lot of power in an 11-year-old's hand who doesn't know what's appropriate to post and what's not appropriate to oh, post. Oh, you can make a mistake that will cost you for years. For years to come. Forever, right? yeah. It's your nickname till you're dead. Right. And we're running into a lot of these situations where our children are giving given these tools and they don't recognize that it is affecting their reputation. So true. It's affecting their relationships. It's affecting their ability to time manage. They're now in this situation where, yes, technology is good. They can sit in front of a computer, be more efficient writing that paper. But while they're writing it, they've got a phone telling them there's a text message. Mm. They've got Google Chat popping up nonstop on the left-hand side of their screen. They've got music going in their ears. And as a result, they can't stay focused. They don't know how to hone in on what's most important and let's stick with that. So they're running into a lot of trouble. And make a decision and get something done. That's exactly right. so true. And so this attention span starts to have – Uh, or be affected, our ability to have an attention span. There's even some research right now that's suggesting that children and teenagers who are in front of screens too often, especially television, only have an attention span as long as a show before a commercial. (laughs) Now, that's really crazy. A show lasts approximately six minutes with a two-minute break, which means we're setting our children up to only be able to focus for six minutes until they need two minutes of a break before they can come back and focus again. Oh, wow. Now, if you think about research like that, that they're exploring more and more to to really dive into its effects. I have never had a job or gone to a college class or anything (laughs) that allows me to go six on, two off. No. And at home, I don't have the liberty as a mother to say, I I need a two-minute break and then I'll come back for six. Mama needs (laughs) – it's been six minutes. (laughs) Six minutes. My time's up. Give me two and I'll be back. So we're we're conditioning them – to not be able to function in society. We're expecting things of them in the future, but we're setting them up to fail once they get there. Another really big one that starts to happen for teenagers at this point is a lack of empathy. 
teenagers who are in front of technology too much don't have empathy. You and I both know that for a marriage to be successful and a family to be successful, besides selflessness, you must be empathetic. Yeah. Without it, oh, yeah. you fail. There is no way around that. There must be empathy. And so when our teenagers don't have the ability to put themselves in someone else's shoes and to truly understand or try to understand what that would feel like, it sets them up for disaster yeah. as they get older. It's weird because they, your kids may have a lot of other facts in their head. Mm-hmm. Like my children know a lot about space. They know a lot about the vastness. They know how many livable planets there are sure. in the surrounding galaxies. But that they may not know how to read a human face. It's exactly right. And unfortunately, Google can't tell mm. them that. No. But when they're standing in front of their wife or their husband and they need to have that skill yeah. and they don't and they go Google it, they got nothing. Oh, they're, boy. they're not going anywhere, right? So this starts to have huge effects once they hit college age, 18, 19, 20 and on. We're seeing in college right now unbelievable tech – uh, withdraw. We're seeing it in lots of places. Uh, we're seeing it in the LDS church with missionaries who are going out to serve for a few years and are unable to do that because they go through tech withdrawals. They miss their stuff. They can't do it. Yeah. We're seeing it in our college classes, especially uh, at the age where college students are looking for someone to marry. They're unable to actually ask someone out in person. Mm. It's all through text message. It's all through a chat. It's all through. So the problem is once they do get on a date and they are sitting across from each other, they can't have a conversation. If you can't have those really important conversations before you get married, when you get married, you got a lot of struggle and stress to work through before you can be with one another. And so there really are a lot of negative things that happen when this is in excess. Mm. The thing we want to start doing, though, and focus on is that technology is very good. It is very good. It is a blessing in our lives. We need to embrace it. It's here to stay. But the fact is it's all about how we use it and view it. And there's real consequences and and Absolutely. information and, and you know deficiencies that could be created by the excess use. It's exactly right. Mm. And see, the problem is we're so focused on the technology. We're constantly – as parents, we, we have this feeling where it's like I got to keep up with the technology to keep up with my kids. Yeah. The technology will constantly change. What doesn't change though that we actually need to focus on? Relationships and values. Those don't change. They're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. Apps are going somewhere at a (laughs) rapid pace. So when we're putting all our energy and effort into being so concerned about what the next big thing – and I'm not saying that's not important. We need to be in touch with what our children are doing. But our foundation needs to be relationships and values so that regardless of the changes that are happening in technology – our foundation is always secure. That's huge. Okay, Heather, let's take a break. Come back. I want to know what else we should be teaching about family, about values, the foundational principles we need to focus on. Boy, it's it's good information, right? Now you know it's not bad or good. It just is, and it's doing certain things if we're not paying attention to it. Stick with us, folks. We'll continue the journey in a minute more with Heather Johnson when we come back. Oh, I love that technology song from uh, Napoleon Dynamite. I love technology. Joining us, Heather Johnson from FamilyVolley.com, a wonderful website. She's also a professor here at Brigham Young University, teaches uh, 
basically families, how to stay strong together, how to work together, how to raise a healthy family. And today we are getting into the good and bad about technology. We just went down an entire list of all of the effects of technology is having. It's a beautiful thing. It also brings challenges. And there's certain things that, that trump it, that trend not to use Trump. We probably ought not be starting that to transcend. We just got over that. I know. <laughs> How do we? Um, so, so one thing you mentioned are values, right. principles. What? What else? What other things do we use to kind of circumvent the technology drain? Sure. So the first thing to recognize is that we have to be a good example, and that gets kind of ugly, right? Yeah. Because if we uh. take a step back, we recognize that oftentimes we're the one with the bad habits first. And we're manifesting that right in front of our kids. Mm. So when they ask us a question, we're still on our phones. We're not putting them away. They're at the dinner table. We're constantly checking for email. We're, they're just around us all the time. So we have to decide ourselves to be a master over technology instead of technology servant. And we really have to yeah. think of it that way. We have to master it. We have to be in charge. It is purely a device that has – it has no power over us until we give it that power. Oh, it's – you know what? At our house, we're trying to decide, do we just turn cable off now? Right. Which And it seems like a brilliant idea because you will then save 100 and whatever dollars a month. Sure. However, and time. Exactly. But it's – so what are we doing instead? We're not sitting there reading books, having great conversations. Right. We're, we're all online. Right. You've gone to a computer or yeah. a phone or a tablet or right. something else. And that's a really big thing here as we weave through the rest of today. When we say to our kids, hey, turn that off. Let's go do something different. And then we walk away, especially if we're trying to make these changes with older children who already have, I don't want to say negative, but negative patterns with technology. Mm-hmm. Simply just making them shut everything down leaves them high and dry. They don't know what to go do next. Yeah, now We're going to need to help them with those things. That comes with, again, being a master over it with patterning. And as we move forward, the next thing we need to do is we need to focus on being a mentor when it comes to technology mm. instead of monitoring. Now, there's a big difference when it comes to tech. As parents, we tend to do it on the back end, right? <laughs> we tend to go, shoot, I found something I don't like when I was snooping on your phone last night. Now, how am I going to fix it? But we know just like any other principles, whether it's a relationship or a family, the front end is where we need to be doing our work. Right. That means we need to be a mentor. Mentors have a couple really cool qualities. A mentor first have, has empathy, which means they've taken the time to step back and think, what must it really be like to be a child growing up with all these screens around them? What would that feel like? What might the challenges be? And really feel what they might feel. We've got to see it their way instead of turn the phone off, put yeah. it away, and not getting it. Because a lot of times you're doing that out of your own guilt. It's exactly Like right. I should have been on this two hours ago, but I cannot stop you know, killing these jewels. Right. Or else I should have taken them to the park or we should be playing a game or I should have read you a story. But instead I didn't. And so now you've been two yeah. hours on a phone. And so we, we function from a place of guilt. Now, another thing is a mentor is someone who takes past experiences and applies them and helps someone else learn from them. Use our expertise. Use the things we know. Educate them. This needs to be a front-end education process. Hmm. More than a back-end, let's clean up all the mess and see how how we unravel this negative spiral. That's great. We got to start on the front. So focus on mentoring them. Our children need to be educated. Do they know what to do, you know, when they're 
contention through text messages? Do our kids know what's appropriate to send or not? Yeah. Do they know how to handle conflict, whether it's through text or in person? Are we teaching them these things? And we're not. No. But a mentor does. So it's time to use the skills that we have and it's time to teach them more about relationships, more about governing, more about controlling and less of that sneaking around monitoring. Now, don't get me wrong because someone's listening saying, but wait, shouldn't I be checking phones? Shouldn't I have things in place to block, you know, pornographic sites and that? Yes, that doesn't mean we're blind to it. But let's focus on education. Because you, you, these kids won't have a monitor that will follow them forever. It's exactly right. And remember, monitoring leads to more monitoring. Yeah. The more we do it, the more we right. do it, which means the less we're building the relationship through mentoring, through developing relationships. The surest way to keep our kids out of trouble with technology is for them to know 100% of the time they can always come to us, whether they've messed up or done something good. They need to know, just like anywhere else, with tech in particular, yeah. I messed up. I shouldn't have posted this, Mom. I need to talk to you about mm-hmm. it. We've got to keep those lines open. This is back to focusing on a relationship instead of on a phone. And if they see something that's inappropriate, they shouldn't try to hide from you. They should run to you exactly and let right. you help them fix that. Figure it out. And that's the best way to safeguard great. your relationship with them. Yeah. Now, the next thing, when I work with families and also couples and technology comes up, it's always like, well, what can I do to, to rein this in? The first thought for families is usually, what do I need to cut away, take away? It's always, well, how do I take it away, take it away? I want you to think about it in a different light. We know that there are essentially four basic needs for children to develop. These same needs, ironically enough, apply to a family and a marriage in so Mm. many ways. Children for strong development need touch. They need nature. They need movement. And they need human connection. Yeah. Those four things. Now, everything else we can throw out there pretty much falls under those four things. Right. It's, it's a really good place to start. Instead of thinking, what do I need to take away? It's time to start thinking, my child and our family and my marital relationship needs movement, nature, touch, and human connection. Where and which of those are we not doing? Nowhere in there did we say cell phones. Did we say turn off the tablet? Did we say no more computer? Instead, look at what we need to develop, write those four things down, and then assess which, if not some or all of them, are not being addressed Mm. in your relationship. That's good, yeah. Then decide, you know what? We're really shy when it comes to nature. Why? Because we're always on technology. So what do we need to do? What can we do to explore nature more? It's Get a, out It's there. a need That's we have. Great. The same thing. Let's look at touch. You know what? Do I ever reach out? Well, it's hard to reach out because guess where my fingers are? My thumbs are going 50 miles an hour and so are our kids. Mm-hmm. So you see, the technology starts to fall away without ever having to force it yeah. if we'll address what the needs for development are instead. Pretty soon our kids will recognize I would much rather actually be outside with my family at the park and the phone doesn't matter anymore. And no one had to force Mm -hmm. time limits, earn your time, earn your – we didn't have to do any of that because we're now attending to the real needs for development and that way everything else falls to the wayside. Great, great. So look at it that way. It also takes a lot of pressure off of us as parents because it gets really ugly when our constant thought is, I got to take that away again. I've got to shut that down again. I've got to. So we're going to look at it different. See that it's a great thing. See that our children need things to develop, our families, our relationship. Those same four things work in a marriage. Is there touch? Is there connection? Is there nature? Are we moving together? Hmm. 
and then fill in the gaps. It's so good. And then it's it's an, it's an appreciative approach versus right. depreciative. Then you don't ever – it's not about the technology. It's just additive. If we add so much touch, it's communication, exactly right. connection, uh, nature, you can't pull your phone out you know, in a canoe. Right. Well, and the thing is it's not even – if you could or not, it's that you don't want you, it. Yeah, you're engaged and life is good. So right. it's it's almost like, yeah, conquering by distraction of good. Well, yes, and by and by providing what it is that our mm-hmm. families and our children really need. If my cup is full and, and I'm feeling those developmental needs being filled, I'm not looking for them anywhere mm-hmm. else. I'm not, you know, comparing myself to the neighbors through Instagram. And I'm not right. worried about the things I'm not doing on Pinterest. And I'm not texting all the time. And neither are our children because their needs are being fulfilled. Man, So that's look good. at it from that way. And that's where this gets really positive. We don't ever then have to look at our kids and, and have to say, get rid of it. Turn it yeah. off. Stop. Our, instead, our kids are saying, why in the world would I want to waste an hour on my phone? When I could be hanging out with you. We could be doing this, right? Exactly. That's cool. Heather, that's awesome stuff. Uh, Everybody, go check out the website, um, familyvolley.com. Familyvolley.com. Also her book, Family Fun Fridays. She's she's everywhere. (laughs) She's everywhere, and she's doing some great work. Um, Remember the points, though. Those are – that's huge. It doesn't – the minute you're saying not do it, everyone's like, I'll do it. I want to do it. That's exactly right. Don't be pushing that. Heather Johnson, thank you so much. We'll take a break. Come back. Visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends. It's a thriller. Yes, it is. Let's go down to our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Spencer and Jerem. Hello, gentlemen. Personally. Like he cr- like he hey, guys, are you there? We're here. I can hear you talking. Oh, hey. What's up? Hey, hey, hey. How are you doing? Uh, we're, we're fantastic. <laughs> Sorry, we couldn't hear you. I know. That's we're, all right. Uh, rehearsing. What are you you're rehearsing? You guys are doing, um, uh, is, it a, is it a road show? Uh, no. What did, you, <laughs> what did you hear, Matt? We just heard not to take it personally. Ah, yes. Okay. I said he did take it personally, and I'm referencing BYU guard L.J. Rose about the Cougars' loss to Utah Valley last Saturday. Oh, he did take it personally. He took it personally. He's ticked. I mean, well, he just was like, look, we embarrassed the program. We embarrassed ourselves. We embarrassed the school, and we need to to fix things. And they did last night. That They did last night. They killed. Well, that sounds bad. They they played well. Yeah, it was a good win. BYU needed a it was win. A much needed win. BYU's only lost three games in a row, one time under Dave Rose. Wow, that's pretty crazy. That is crazy. They figure it out, and and they did last night. And it, it, we'll talk about this today. It was not the typical BYU formula to win a game. Typically, BYU's got to shoot well uh, to win, and if they don't, they're not going to win. That's too simple. <coughs> there there are things you can control in a basketball game, and BYU decided to control them last night. Huge. 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 Um, did you guys notice that we were playing Thriller? We did notice that. Yeah. Uh, Do, you know why? Do you know why? Um, December 1st. Let's see. What does December 1st have to do with Thriller? It won't. Because oh, it's National Cannoli Day. <laughs> oh, no. We missed it. It's, uh, it's, no, 34 years ago, Thriller was released. It was released on December 1st? Apparently. Ish. 34 years ago. Yet it's associated with Halloween for, I mean, mm-hmm. the right reasons, but... How how old were you when it was released? 34 years ago? 
I was almost one. <laughs> I wasn't born. Wow. I was almost one. Let's talk about yeah, that, Jaron. It, was it released on December 1st of 1981? We don't know. Hey, now I've got, I've got November, November 30th 82. as yeah. the day. As the day? As the day. It was released? Yeah. Not December 1st. Do we have an issue here? Yeah. <laughs> you, you must have looked that up on Google. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Yeah. Google's always a day off. <laughs> really? Yeah. Let's... Google, what is today? It says it's Thursday, December 1st. Yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm. See? That's all you got to do. It's, it's pretty Day simple. Off. Oh, it's December 2nd. My bad. What? You understand? Hey, Someone um, right now in their car's like, wait, is it December 1st? Hold on. What day is it? I was supposed to sign those papers on December 1st. Hey, what? Um, what's on your show today? I know you guys are in a hurry. You've got a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, let's thrilling. see. Yes. President we're... Coach Cleveland is mm-hmm. on. Really? Uh, he used to coach Cougars for Dave Rose, and he was a mission president the last three years. So we call him President Coach Steve Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be on the show to break down the uh, the BYU Utah State game. Kyle Davis missed the game with the knee injury. What kind of impact could that mean if he doesn't play against USC Saturday? Fifty fifty yeah. chance, according to Dave Rose. Mm. And, BYU. And what what did BYU do differently? Yeah, they his, won uh, in an unorthodox fashion. What you're going to talk about it? I know. Absolutely. We're going to talk will. about good too. Did they play with four guys? Six guys? They tried to play with six. They were told that was illegal. Yeah, so it's illegal. Yeah, they yeah. went the Hoosiers route. Uh, great nineteen movie from nineteen eighty five. They they fouled out a guy I and was just two. and just didn't put anybody else in. So they finished the game with four. <laughs> no, they didn't do that. No. They didn't do that. Are going for two picks? A little big deal, no deal. Little uh, t- Taysom Hill. When is he uh, going to have surgery? We'll yeah, update on that. BYU bracketology. Ooh, yeah. It's in or out. Ooh. Bracketology. By the way, I'm still, I can't get over that they're in Vegas's top 25. I think that's makes me want to go to Vegas and watch a game. Oh, okay. You work for BYU, so careful there. No, I'm mean, watching a football game. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> hockey game. They're going to have hockey there soon. They are. Cool. The uh, Golden Knights, is it? Is it? I think they figured it out. Golden Knights. The Golden, Golden Knights. Knights. But Knights is spelled N-I-G-H-T. Yes. Yes. Knights. Yeah, Las Vegas, Golden Knights. Get your gear now. Get your gear now. Um, guys, it's Apple Day. It's Red Apple Day. It's Red Apple Day? No kidding. I have a semi-red uh, shaded yellow apple on the desk right now. <laughs> well, oh, boy. That doesn't. It's not semi-red apple day, though. Should it's I not... take a bite? Yeah, do you take a bite for the air. Okay, here we go. Here, let's hear it. Here we go. Nope. <laughs> that was messy. Did it, did it, it, just, it an attempt to get a good sound. Mm. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll hire try you it. to do the red delicious apple commercial. Should I try that again? Do it a little yeah. shorter bite. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What are you, a horse? That was massive. <laughs> what are you, Eeyore? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got to let you guys go because I know you got to, you've got props and you're doing a whole skit today or something. Got something to practice. We always have things to practice. That's what I've heard. Hey, uh, guys, have fun. Finish your apple because it is an apple a day. Keeps the doctor away. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, gents. See ya. See you. Peace out. Um, it's Apple Day. Of all the things. We've been battling the sound of apples all day. We must be still patched in with them. No, I don't think so. Really? It's just every time I say the word apple, I hear a sound of someone eating an apple.
Hmm. Apple computer. Don't eat it. Apple cobbler. Definitely eat it. Eat it. <laughs> Just be thankful that I'm not playing Michael Jackson every time you say the word thriller. That's so true. Apple. Now you're throwing in a little thriller. Hey, here's a... Oh, they say an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Um, what, what do you think is the longest that people can live? Well, didn't we've been having some stories. Of the woman today is 100 years old and is going to have a life at her, ahead of her full of McDonald's. Mm-hmm. So she'll probably only live a couple <laughs> more weeks. Uh, plus, there's, um, there's the woman that's 117 years old that eats two eggs. Remember, she has no Born teeth. Born in the 19th century. Yeah. So it, what if I told you – I mean the average expectancy now, I think, of life expectancy on the side I was just looking at, I guess – on average, worldwide is 71 years old. That seems low. It seems really low. I think in the U.S. it's a lot higher. There's some places, um, other planets, because I've been watching a lot of Star Trek lately, they, they, they don't have as long of a life expectancy. Some have incredibly long life expectancies. What if I told you that we could double that and it, it is possible that there will be, you know, in the future, if we could eliminate deadly diseases, child, you know, with better boosters, what if we could double it to 150 years? Whoa. What if the average age ended up being 100 years old? Would you want to live that long? I don't know. It would depend. A, do I, can I still dance? Because you know dance is a big part of my life. Maybe it would depend on who's president in 100 (laughs) years. That's a good point, right? I mean, yeah. Because if if you, but I guess the presidents are going to change. But we'd have to create a completely different place. We'd have to create. We'd have to get a lot of rid of a lot of cardiovascular disease, heart disease. We'd have to get rid of cancers. But when you get into the data, it's pretty amazing what's what's killing us and what might be able to improve. I mean, it used to be back in the day, tuberculosis, syphilis, some of those diseases were you know they were they were killing people. Polio, plague, yeah. <laughs> We don't suffer those problems anymore or as much. But now we have other issues, cirrhosis, cancer, airway diseases, circulatory problems. So I don't know. That's, it's a, it's, there's no you know, one fact about the whole thing, but think about it. If, it. if we could stretch your life expectancy to just – if we could get you to 90 and you could live hmm. a fairly good life. It's a good life. Would you want it? 90, yes. 150, but, I mean, come let's back to say, me when I'm let's 90. Say from, let's just say from 80 to 90, you're not driving. 85 to 90, you're not driving anymore. Well, by then, you know, in your world, you'll have a Tesla. Exactly. So you won't need to drive. Who needs to drive when you have a Tesla? Mm. Then Teslas are going to be a major cause of death. That's right. No, they're going to save deaths, remember? Anyway, uh, just be thinking about it. Are you living a life that – are you happy now, in the now? So if we could get you 30, 40, 50, 60 more years, would you want it? It's scary. Hey, as you know, we like to always end with a hero story. Today's hero story comes to us from Newser.com. Faced with the pending demise of his autistic son's beloved sippy cup, Mark Carter turned to the Internet in hopes of finding a replica 
of the out-of-production vessel, the only one 14-year-old Ben will drink from. Ben um, uh, suffers from um, autism. And, you know, this son wants his sippy cup. And it, 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 he didn't come through the Internet. Before long, he, he basically was looking for this cup, but the cup was out of print, basically. And dozens of cups eventually, because the dad put a, a notice out there to everybody, hey, I'm looking for this kind of sippy cup. Well, eventually, dozens of the cups were arriving from all over the world with hashtag Cup for Ben. And it caught the attention of the original manufacturer, Tommy Tippy. Now Carter is taking to the Internet again, this time in a video on YouTube, to announce that the company has not only found its original manufacturing plans for the cup, it's also making a batch of 500 of the cups just for Ben. Tommy Tippy announced on Twitter that the overwhelming love and support shown across social channels is ensuring that Ben has a lifetime supply of this uh, special cup. How cool is that? See what happens? Social media is not just a place to waste your time. Sometimes you can start a movement and even, by the way, tip a sippy cup and uh, tip a company that makes them to open its heart and, and take care of another human being. Folks, that's a hero right there, and you can play the role just as well as anyone else can. The goal is to bring more light to the world. You're part of the, uh, the illumination that needs to take place. So step up. Think of something you can do to bring more light to the world, and uh, let's do it. Let's do it together. Let's elevate by just giving, opening up our hearts, and being there for one another. Until tomorrow, let's make it a great one. Take care of each other, and... Uh, Really, watch each other's backs. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, be good.